Hello and welcome to episode 203 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And we're calling this... What are we calling this? My my, my laptop just completely turned off. That's a, a long name. Yeah, yeah. It, and, yeah and a little this, relevant to yeah, the it, show. Yeah, it's really too. not relevant. No, we're calling this episode uh, Hip to be Square in honor of our impressions of Box Boy and Box Girl later in the show. Uh, that's one game, two, two box people. Uh, and that's going to be joined by another eShop talk we'll be talking about, which is Blazing Beaks, and also Team Sonic Racing. We have impressions of all of those. That is but true. Th- these are all factual things that my laptop, which is now on again, can tell me. Uh, but beyond that, this episode really is kind of running like the whole spectrum of news, from the crazy ambition shown in the Super Mario Maker 2 Direct to the complete lack of it on display in the Mario Kart Tour beta test that's going on now. And between that, there, those, you know, between those two extremes... A lot of other stories in Nintendo's game voucher program. There's the growing concerns about loot boxes. Uh, and yes, there's even some NPD sh- sales chart. Jason's sales corner is back. So uh, since we've got a whole gauntlet of topics, let's just jump right into it. Remember, if you want anything in particular to listen to, there are timestamps around or below if you're on YouTube. Um, and that lets you skip around. But otherwise, I think we should really start on the highest of high notes of all the news which is the very pleasant surprise of Super Mario Maker 2. Oof, if that's because, our high note, then that's well, not really saying well, much at well, all. Well, I don't know. Like, were you going into the direct? So they did a direct about, what, a week and a half ago? Were you your in, What was your interest level of Mario Maker 2 going into the direct? It's weird to measure interest level. Or, like, were you going to buy it? Were you excited? Did yeah, you care? I mean, cause, cause, I mean, like, that's I, why I mean more. Because I think the game is very interesting, and I love everything they're doing with it. But, like, I... I just I know I know me and it's like it's not like a worth buy essentially. Yeah, I feel like before it's like if I if I had more time in the day, I guess I probably would get it. Right. Like without this direct, I wouldn't have convinced me. That's almost every Nintendo direct on specific games are completely irrelevant and pointless to me. Because you know, like wow, this took a turn. I'm like, it's super exciting. You're like, everything sucks. No, no, because <laughs> because like you you know the quality of most Nintendo games. Like, yeah, if they announce super when the Pretend Odyssey didn't exist, and they just announced Mario Odyssey. Like you're probably already gonna, you already decided you, you're gonna buy it. No direct, nothing will tell you otherwise. You're not wrong. I, but I think the thing was like, and I might have said this on the show before, but I liked the original Mario Maker on Wii U. Like Hundred Mario Challenge was cool. The idea of like having an endless selection of levels is cool through Course World. But I didn't really like have any expectations for the sequel at all. Like, sure, there'd be some new level themes and tools. Slopes are a thing. That's great for people want that want to slope their slopes. But uh, like, you know, stuff that I was thinking like, oh, it'd be cool if there's an overworld and all levels could connect. You could build a whole Mario game. Like those sort of things. Like, one, would I even leverage that? No, probably not. But two, would it have been cool? Sure, do I want it? sure. But I was expecting like a lot more of the same out of it. So I wasn't exactly like excited per se. Like I'd buy it. You're right. I would buy it. But I wasn't like, oh, Mario Maker 2. I'm just like, oh, yeah, Mario Maker 2. But what was a neat surprise to me with the Direct, and it seems like it was only me out of the two of us at least, is that like Nintendo didn't just reveal one idea or two ideas or three ideas. They gave us like two or three entire sequels worth of content. At least what I expected Mario Maker 2 to be is also what I expected Mario Maker 3 to be and then 4 to be. And they all put in one package. I mean, to be fair, I mean, I feel like you're giving it too much credit. No, I mean, think about it. We got new tools, well, no, well, new the, behaviors well, for existing well, tools, a whole story mode, a whole online mode. Any one of those things could have been enough to sell the package. Okay, see, like, the story mode, I feel like it's very generous calling it a story mode. It has more levels than any other 2D Mario game ever released, and they're all designed by Nintendo. Yeah. That alone is interesting. But that is also, like, saying, like, oh, every level is, like, a masterpiece. Like, the first, like, maybe 50 or 100 are just, like, tutorials. Do you? Are you sure? Yeah, that's literally what they said. They're they're 
their levels are then to introduce like different like mechanics of like how to build the game, like the levels. Yeah, it, I so d- so yeah, one level okay. will probably just be like a bunch of stuff that's just running down, maybe a few jumps. Then another one's just gonna be like, oh, here's a vertical level, and this is how you use like the bumper. So it just it's a very nice, it's a very elegant way of showing you how to do everything. I I do wish for the story mode to be honest that like they should have just gone all in at that point if that's the case because I, I was thinking like oh 100 custom design levels by Nintendo like yeah I guess there's some tutorials all, all Nintendo games yeah but that's still a lot from the core Mario team it's basically a whole new Mario game on some level but if you're gonna do a story mode in like a Mario Maker on so, at some level I'm kind of like why would they not just make you have you build levels and introduce the tools through the building and just have these preset goals of what the level needs to do and then you just meet those goals in whatever creative way you want and you upload it and then there's all these like sections in the course world that's just you know those preset things and how people interpret them differently like that seems like it'd be a more if, if what you're saying is like half of it's just building towards your skill set for building why not just go that route in that case like that's what i'm kind of thinking it must be more i mean i know they showed a few that were a little simpler you're right but it must be more like there must be more meat on the bone than just like here's how slopes work pretty sure there isn't i feel like they're i don't know i feel like, like there is. i'm sure like the last like maybe once they get done with everything then they'll show you some crazier stuff but. maybe but i don't know i mean like yeah i don't know I, I i do admit it looks bare bones in presentation it looks like a mario party single player story mode in terms of how it's all like laid out and everything you know you just do like these little tiny tasks and then you're back in the whatever yeah i mean levels, I, I feel but... i mean I, I feel like the story mode like wouldn't be the quote-unquote story mode it should be factored in like as a draw for like no, I, the game. I, th- I think you're being it, too it, hard it, on it. It feels like a repurposed like 100 Mario Challenge or something. But it's not the 100 Mario Challenge. Or whatever. Nintendo custom built them. That's or whatever. The or whatever. I guess my point is. Or what, whatever it was that the first um, Mario Maker had that was that had custom Nintendo levels. Well, those were those were um, those were definitely for training. Yeah. Yeah, which is basically what I these are. I think this is more than that. I really do. I mean, I guess we'll see when the game comes out, but yeah. I suspect this is more of that, but fine. I think. I mean, based on what the direct said, that's the impression I got from it. Right. Yeah, I I don't know. I just I think maybe I have too much faith in Nintendo. I don't know. I just I mean, even if they. I mean, nothing wrong with it. I mean, it's a level generation tool. So I mean, on some level, on some level. Uh I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not dreams like where like you literally have no idea like what's coming. Like you could have like a racing game one minute or like a well, yeah, third yeah. person shooter the next or something like that. Yeah. Well, I, I, okay. In that case, let me ask you this. What do you think of multiplayer? Because I would argue, forget story mode because that is like this game's primarily an online game. So story mode's a weird side thing. I feel like the killer app of this is the multiplayer. I mean, yeah, that was the only interesting thing that like that, that's everything else is like, all right, cool. They're just adding more stuff. It's like, Oh, it's Smash Brothers, but with more yeah. characters. It's just Mario Maker, but with more options. Right. Until. Yeah, but then you have like the multiplayer, so that was pretty interesting, and that like did make me go like for a second. I was like, oh man, I kind of want this, but I don't know. I guess it just wasn't enough to like push me over, but it definitely was eye catching. It it is interesting that like if you think about the multiplayer, it's besides just looking fun, which it looks really fun, and as you said, it's very eye-catching. I think it's, it's funny because I mean, it's essentially... I mean, what are you going to say? Well, I mean, like, yeah, but then I guess, like, the more I thought about it, it's like, I'd rather just play with my friends locally or just, like... Hmm. Yeah, when I, like, when I play Mario games, like, I have the most fun with them. Like, the most multiplayer ones. Like, when I'm playing locally with, my, with Elvis right. or with friends. And, yeah, I don't know. I guess if I'm going to play, like, something online like that I'd rather just play some other game at that well, point well it does also have local but I, I do think it's interesting that like 
regardless of how you go about playing it, what local or online, multiple switches or just online, what's interesting about it to me is it's sort of the culmination of like where all the various Mario games multiplayers have been going, but it's like the missing piece to the part that connects all dots. Because we got like every facet of it separately, but they've never brought them all together in this exact way, which is kind of weird if you think about it. Because like, like we've had multi multiple multiplayer Mario's, which yes, is a bit of a tongue twister. Uh, but each one had some sort of weird built-in limitation, and I don't mean like the you know obviously there's been multiplayer since the very first Super Mario Brothers on AES. Like, it was, but that was a past the controller. You go back and forth. It wasn't really competitive. It wasn't really multiplayer. You're just you're like watching the other person and it's like okay your turn then you're they're watching you and that's it but like in terms of like proper multiplayer like your thing about local co-op that really started like with the new super mario brothers series specifically the wii version and there of course the limitation was you're forced to stay within the same screen right so you know you leave the area and into the bubble you go and then you need to be res- rescued by another player to pop you or if you die along the way you also go into the bubble and you need to be rescued and like it was it is very fun you're right it's immediately a really clever way to make a side-scrolling game like accommodate for all these different people that have to somehow stick together because you only have one screen but you still want to make it feel like they have some freedom so i thought that was a cool way of doing it um but it did limit total freedom of movement so it wasn't a pure multiplayer mario it was like an adjusted for multiplayer mario which is fine there's absolutely nothing wrong with that then came an actual proper separate screen co-op mario with super mario brothers 2 on the 3ds you know you and a friend now have your own 3ds as you can play through the whole game together side by side but there were two things i feel like that held that one back one is it was limited to just two people and um that was especially weird because it came out after new super mario brothers wii and that had four people so it's kind of like oh it's like a step down and it was also local only no online what, what they also did with that one, though, that was kind of interesting, and it does factor back into this, is uh, New Super Mario Bros. 2 also introduced the idea of actual competitive Mario gameplay, like full-on competitive experience. It was asynchronous. It was that coin rush mode where basically you had three stages, you did back-to-back, and then you sent that data out, and then someone street passed you, and then they did three stages, and then they compared the scores. And that was kind of the first taste of that style of Mario multiplayer. And that idea then went a step further. Yes, I'm doing a whole history lesson, I guess. But that idea went a step step further with Mario Run, where it was also asynchronous. It's kind of like coin rushes, but instead of the coins, you um, were just getting ranks. You're just seeing how, you know, could you get the most coins? Could you beat the score in a cer- the level in a certain time, get a certain score? It was all, like, combined. So it's kind of the purest form of, like, the Mario experience, except now it was limited because you couldn't actually control Mario's movement. You can only jump. So it's like every single thing they do with Mario is like, oh, here's the real Mario experience, but now you can't jump. Here's the real Mario experience, but it's only two players, not four. Here's the four-player one, but you can't leave the screen. So they did all these little things, which now leads us to Mario Maker 2. It takes the four-player New Super Mario Bros. Wii. It takes the separate screen experience in New Super Mario Bros. 2. It takes the competitive score rank thing of Coin Rush and the online of Super Mario Run and being able to do it not side-by-side. And then it builds all of them into this like multiplayer Mario Megazord thing that we've always wanted and what's kind of funny to me is that there's this 10 year lineage I just walked through of how we got to Mario Maker 2's multiplayer it took Nintendo a decade of slow build up and weird tangents to get to what everyone when you said Mario multiplayer assumed it would mean the entire time so they did it it's just like if you said hey how's Mario Wii work like oh yeah you have four people you're running around you get to do your own thing and then you know maybe you could do it online that's all it needed to be. It took 10 years for them to do it, but they did it, and it looks pretty cool if you're into the idea of playing online. If you're into the idea of playing locally, you can play locally. 
that's the other nice thing. And what's also kind of cool about um, Mario Maker 2's on uh, multiplayer, in my opinion, is they sort of, even though they went on all these tangents and it seems like a long way ago for something that was so obvious from the start, I feel like each tangent like kind of better informed what Mario Maker 2's multiplayer is because they have a co-op mode. So, if so you locally, like, do you get stuck in the bubble then? Unclear. I'll get to that in a second. Let me just finish, oh. this. I just, let me just finish this real quick thought. I was going to say, it's interesting because you do have co-op with multiplayer and it's strictly co-op and then you do have a versus mode and it's strictly competitive. It's basically speed running. It's so competitive that, you know, they're doing the Mario Invitational, Mario Maker 2 Invitational at E3 on, in June. So, like, they, they sort of, like, I don't think they would have done these two separate routes of multiplayer unless they had this lineage that they had to go through of, well, let's not make the exact Mario experience everyone thought it would be and now that they're here, they're able to do that. So, to your question, yeah, how does it work with local? Because the the thing is even like i was saying you know every one of these has a limitation and sure enough this is nintendo so there's the typical one step back for every two steps forward and that's local multiplayer so right now oddly enough all you all we know about mario's local multiplayer is you can do it if you each own a switch and if you each own a switch one person creates a room they're basically making a land room but they have to connect online to make the land room happen and then you can go back offline and everyone everyone can play. And you don't need the bubble because you're on your own screens. It's weird because that means you need four switches for a system that's all about everyone playing on one switch. So you can't do multiplayer on a single screen. Unclear. That's oh. where it gets more confusing. So according to Game Explain, they did a video and there are two potential clues pointing to an actual proper single screen, single switch experience like what you're looking for. And that would include the bubbles, you would think. Um, so they noticed on the eShop there's a Mario Maker 2 listing that says one to four players in a place that usually only describes the player count for local play. And we do know there's one to two players locally because you can do co-op level building. So these other two players, what are they for? It must be single screen, right? And then separately, they notice that uh, in the direct, there's footage at one point of Mario and Luigi shooting through a pipe in the like 3D world stage. But the camera isn't focused on one or the other of them. It's zoomed out like you would see in Mario Wii so they're both fitted in the screen the the thing is it's possible that's an honest growing level and it's just scrolling at the right moment to make that effect but they think it means maybe there's a actual single screen experience because right now according to Nintendo the only way to do local is do this weird LAN option where you basically connect online make a fake room hop back offline well, it's not like there's any benefit to getting the game earlier or later since Nintendo games like this never really go on discount, so True. I guess might as well just wait <laughs> and find out. I mean, when does it come I out I suspect again? Uh, June 20th. I suspect we'll oh, learn Mario D3. very soon. Yeah, we'll learn Mario D3. Yeah, so. But the, uh, you know, if it is the latter, like if Mario Maker 2 does only offer online multiplayer or, or this like weird pseudo online land situation, I, I kind of almost get it, honestly. Like it's, it's dumb, but Mario Maker 2 has the same support. Well, that makes sense. I mean, that is the... I mean, like you were saying, if you want to have the pure multiplayer Mario experience, especially competitive multiplayer, which just seems like the most fun version of it, you can't do it single screen, like on TV. Like, it's just not how you do it. So maybe co-op mode lives on on single screen. But at the same time, like that being said, I've kind of grown to really like the single screen bubble chaos from the last... I mean, maybe I just got used to it from Mario Wii, Mario Wii U... And some new Super Mario Brothers 3D World just because or <laughs> I just combined two games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just like how hectic like it brought its own like set of chaos. So I should I should fun. clarify. I'm not saying anything's wrong with. Oh no 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 no, yeah, no 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 you're not. But I'm I mean, just saying it's just it's a weird lineage. It no through. yeah I mean yeah. 
Yeah, that, that, that I've grown yeah, just to like that. Especially because, like I said, like when I play with my brother, like I enjoy the competitive... No, it's not even competitive. It's just... I love the cooperative chaos. It's like a tug-of-war, really. It's a little competitive, but it's also cooperative. It's kind of forced. No, 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 no. When, when we play, it's usually just oh. full-on cooperative. Well, like, 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 like I'll literally like... And there's a gold medal that like we missed off screen that we're like, oh man, it's like too late to get it properly. So like I'll throw... Like I'll grab, I'll pick him up, I'll jump towards it just so I'll die, but then I'll like throw him upwards, right. so that, you know, it's like stuff like that. Yeah, like yeah. there's that kind of fun interaction that you get. But so I guess you in general will be more interested in competitive than co-op. I mean, sorry, co-op than competitive. I said that backwards. I guess so. At this point, like, pass me diff. At one point, I would definitely eaten up this competitive mode and been like, oh, all right, this is enough to like convince me to buy it. Yeah. But I feel present me just can't really get behind it anymore i think that's what's nice about like especially with the fact like, that they offer both no yeah that's it like because it's, just, it's, it's not so just so much stuff coming out like it's just hard to yeah just down a game i mean i want to i'm really into sonic team racing i want to get better at that so yeah. it's like and i'm perfectly okay putting smash Bros. to the side i mean that game is past its i guess it's prime right now i, I say it's past it's prime it's past the honeymoon period i mean 30 isn't it over a year old it's not even a year Ultimate? old. Ultimate, it came out like six months ago, dude. Jeez, why does it feel like it's been out for like two years? <laughs> no, it's because it's similar to Wii U. Ultimately, let's be honest. Huh? Ultimately, hey, no, but no, really. It, it at the end of the day, the jump from Melee to Brawl, from Brawl to Wii U, from Wii U to Ultimate kept shrinking. There's no denying that. No, yeah, I mean, like I love and, and funny, like when you go back and play the other ones, like they do feel very different. Oh yeah, even playing but, Wii U again feels. But different. but going forward, you don't really feel that change as much. Mm-hmm. Like, it's only when you go backwards that you go like, whoa, how did I even yeah, play this Yeah, because it's an evolution. And then when you de-evolve or devolve, as the word would actually yeah, be said. But, I mean, the fact that I thought that, I guess, already says a lot about how, like, much I yeah. play Smash Brothers now. And that's saying a lot because, like, I love Smash Brothers. But... It was one of the three games you'd only talk about. It was Smash, God of War, and then Resident Evil. Yeah, and I'm taking a break from those right now just because, you know, they're Sonic. I mean... You are a one game man now, so it seems like you are monogamous to your game, and then you break up, and then you find a new game to well, I am fall starting, in love with. I am starting Resident Evil One very soon, probably PS4, or Switch, PS4. I finally figured out how to play it. It's a long roundabout thing, but why well, you want me to? How roundabout are we talking? Um, just me not knowing a basic. Rule. So, um, my brother and I, as I'm pretty sure we brought up, we each have our own PS4s. Um, oh no! Yeah, I have there's to, like it, three PS4s, and I, okay, but there's yeah. only two of you. No, no, so, no, no, no. So yeah. facts first. No, it definitely has been brought up because I know it for a fact you've said that statement. Already. I know because it still doesn't make sense. Oh my god, it makes sense. Anyway, all right. So <laughs> why not sell the other one anyway? Okay, so well because they're all different. No, they're all PS4s. <laughs> so Obis got the Batman Arkham City PS4 when it came out, mm-hmm. and that's just a regular PS4. Mm-hmm. That one at one point just the HDMI port just stopped working, so he wanted to get a new one. But you want to get rid of it because it's a collectible. Yeah, because it's a okay. it's a Batman one. Like, you All right, get rid of that I one. get that. As a and Batman then, fan, and it I just and it just happened to come out, and that happened to kind of happen around the time that the Monster Hunter one was coming out. So I got the limited edition PS4 Pro, the Monster Hunter one with the control and everything. Yeah. And then eventually, like I always get PS uh, my own PS4 like a couple years later, like once there's enough games I could justify getting it. Mm-hmm. And since God of War is one of my favorite franchises, as you know, I always have to mention it. Um. Yeah, they came up with the God of War PS4 Pro. I already mentioned it. You, you're just catching up to my mention. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And so I obviously had to get that. So I had my own PS4 Pro. And, I don't know, it's really nice because then that means that I could play Monster Hunter with Elvis too. Like, he could play on his VR headset while I play on the TV. 
Yeah, so I, okay, so the two make sense, and the third is just a leftover collectible one. Okay. Yeah, it's a leftover that doesn't really work. That's just all right. So I that question's it. answered. Now on to question two. What did you not know about Resident Evil's controls? No, no, not the controls. Just or the gameplay. Mechanics. It, it's it's not much to do with Resident Evil. Just to do with content sharing. So on my PS4 Pro, like my brother logged in to his, so also his own. Oh, PS4 this Pro isn't as interesting as I thought it would be. <laughs> no, continue. And so like, so since I since he logged in. Since he has his own account there, it's like, cool, I could log on to his account and just download a bunch of these games. And I figured, like, all right, cool, since his account is there, that means I could also play, you know, Resident Evil or these other games yeah. that I missed out on that I didn't have a PS4 yeah. Pro PS4 at the time. But then it said, like, oh, you are not the primary account holder, so I can't play it. So I was like, dang it, I guess I can't play it. And I didn't, you know, want to go to his PS4. Which uh, is literally six inches from your PS4. You don't even have to go to it. You just extend your arm a little. Well, no, further. because at that at that point, I thought that like, oh, I would have to play it on his account. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I want the trophies. I want like, you know, I just want. No, I actually get what you the, mean. The receipt. I mean, you would definitely do. You probably just wouldn't play it at that point. If Correct. You can't get your own. Correct. Yeah, proof that you played it. I don't even play. I don't or even like proof playing that you games booted on, it up uh, at this point. I don't, hey, you're not wrong. I don't even like um playing games I own on someone else's Switch because then I don't get the time exactly. credited. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you you understand perfectly. I totally understand. Yeah. And so then, um, one of our friends, Kevin, came over and he explained that, oh, just play it on his PS4, on his PS4, the but on your account, your account. Because, basically what the Switch has. Because on his PS4, he is the primary account holder. So as long as the primary account holder of that PS4 has the game, yeah. And sure enough, on his version, like I was able to play it. So, so now you're playing it. That's what I'm able to play. I thought it was going to be something about the game mechanics. Like, no. oh, like, I didn't know that she moves like a tank or whatever. No, I knew she moved. I, I, yeah. I, I, that's why I, 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 I was like, wait, elaborate. Please. I very briefly played the PS1 version a long time ago. Right, right. And really didn't like it, but, you know, we, now it's visually appealing. <laughs> there you go, I guess. The controls are probably aren't any better, but, you probably know. Not. Well, report back once you know, because yeah. it's also on Switch. So yeah, I mean, it's still I, relevant somewhat. Very, I was always very tempted to get it on Switch. I might actually just get the Resident Evil Four on Switch. It doesn't um, have motion controls. No, I know neither of them do. Yeah, but I mean, well, I, we'll talk about. So that at that later. point, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and I mean, the port on the Switch doesn't look any worse or better than the version on the PS4 Pro because it's no. literally just the HD. Exactly. Version. Yeah. So it's yeah. not. It's not like a whatever it would have to be for it to look better on the PS4. Yeah, yeah. yeah even Sonic Team Racing doesn't look any better on the PS4. Yeah, well, we're, we're, hold on. Yeah. We're getting on too many tangents. Let's, let's rein this in. At least we can put a cap on uh, Mario Maker. If you yeah, we like. were talking about that. Huh? Yeah, no, we were at some point. I know, A yeah, long yeah. time ago. Yeah, hence your point. Yeah. But no, I, I was going to say is... Um, what was the point? I was starting to say something about the how Mario Maker 2 is like a very online first game. Smash Brothers... No, we were talking about multiplayer and LAN and online and how yeah, like co yeah, yeah, I was trying to retrace my yep. steps. So but no, I was going to say, yeah. uh, I was going to say that, uh, yeah, Mario Maker Two me is just like, and we were start starting to say this even before I started to say this before we got on the tangent. It's very much like an online first game. Like I, I'm not surprised they're doing this weird local multiplayer thing for that reason. It, it's like if you want new stages, you need online. If you want to do the Hunter Mario Challenge, which I'm happy is back, you need online. If you want to st- share stages you built, which of course is a big part of why you'd be making them in the first place, one would assume. Uh, you need online so really the game's a big online switch online subscription seller essentially so much so that like nintendo's actually like you bought a second one no but so much so, well you could because nintendo's doing this bundle they're doing a special bundle where for 10 bucks more 
than the standard price of the game, you get the game plus a one-year subscription to Switch Online. So for seventy bucks, you get that instead of sixty, and that it's it's kind of tempting. But like this game is ex- existence is Switch Online, so I kind of understand it's dumb, but I kind of understand why um, they are doing why they're not bothering to work around the you need to hop online just to do land thing because they're like well everything else is online like you're already connected it'll suck in an airport if you find someone and you walk like hey i stranger sitting next to me i see you're also building stages in mario maker shall we try them and then it's like well let me get on the boingo network here in the airport like that scenario is not very plausible so i think you're okay i will say though um the switch online bundle as cool as it is i'm actually not gonna buy even though i'm saving ten dollars because and this is sad and weird is it weird you tell me um there's a big red banner on the bottom of the box art saying you get a free year of Switch Online. And I looked at it, and I'm like, no, that's not the pure yellow box. I can't do that. Like, I need the I need the pure box, not this weird marketing amalgamation, marketing awfulness. Like, am I, am I – do I need to seek help of some kind because I'm literally willing to spend $10 just to have the pure yellow box? I don't blame you. I mean, ultimately, it's the reason why I didn't – buy some switch games physically because you know like they had the really ugly top part of the mm. like the, mainly the capcom ones oh you mean the big uh the big white banner it's like you need to download to play yeah they by were. the way they have changed that uh new games going forward there's a little thing in the corner that says it. that's a lot cleaner i know la noir and all of those other games yeah that was pretty oh, bad yeah. i mean i understand why nintendo did it, but that's i mean yeah ugly. i mean it, it it draws your attention. It's like, okay, yeah. I, now I know. It's not yeah. a surprise, but make it less ugly. I agree. Um, what do we have to suffer? Exactly. Like, we understand. Or just like every game is required to have a reversible cover that just doesn't have it. That way, once you buy That'd it, cool. you can flip it over. Or it's a sticker on the saran wrap, and then when you or on the shrink wrap. When you peel off the shrink wrap, it goes away. Is that, how practical is that, though? Not very, because people just would just uh, peel it off or rip it off to mess with other people. So, not very practical. I mean, it, it says it on the back anyway. That's true. But it's supposed to be about, like, yeah, yeah, slapping yeah. people in the face with it, literally. Um, but, yeah, so I guess because of the red banner, I'm not going to save $10. That's my life. But there is there is one other aspect of the game we should probably talk about. Um, well, there is another way you could save $10. Well, I could save 60 if I just don't buy the game. Technically 20 but Yeah, yeah we'll get to I that know. in a second. I know what you're going to say. Actually, yeah. Okay, fine. Let's do it. No. Well, why not? Game vouchers, right? Wow, look at you being spontaneous. I know. I'm mixing it up. We have a whole order, and I'm like, bah! And I just cast it aside. This is the new spontaneous 2019, Jason, even though we're halfway into the year already. But, uh, yeah, so that was a big part of the, uh, the Mario Maker. Almost. What? We're still in May. We're right at the end of May. This episode goes up to 29th or 8th or something. 29th goes up to 26th. You're right. I don't know how. Ca- I don't know how calendar. Anyway, um, but no. Yeah, let's talk about the game vouchers, and then we'll double back to talk about the last parts of the game that we didn't touch on. Um, yeah, it's kind of a cool idea. So they capped off the direct at the end by saying, "Like, hey, Meowther is playable." Not really. He's, he's there. He's there. He's there. Now, which is cool. You were like, "Let's talk about the vouchers." So I started talking about the vouchers. <laughs> and you're like, now we're going to talk about the gameplay some more. I'm like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> no, but uh, the voucher thing is kind of clear. Basically, how it works is you pay them 100 bucks up front. You get two game downloads of your choosing from a huge list of first-party games. And, you know, you basically get to Which, save honestly, some money. considering Nintendo, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, like never really discounts their first-party games. Yeah, this is that. This is like the only way that you're going to get a discount on their games. The funny thing is you can actually some get... Some of them, yeah. I would even say, are fairly priced with the discount. Like, I love Mario Party, but I wouldn't say it's a 60, $60 game. But 50 
Power Tennis, great game. I wouldn't say it's a sixty dollar game. Everything else, yeah, pretty much worth it. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. I'm <laughs> choking on my water. <laughs> Just like everything else is, yeah, yeah, sixty, sixty is about right. I'm talking about. No, um, I mean, one two switch better not be. Listen, on that list. I, if you're saying Sushi Striker, the way the first Shadito, whatever it's Sushido? called, whatever the word is, if that's worth wow. sixty to you. Oh, that's on the list. That's, uh, that's on there, but it's priced at fifty. So for the for that one, and for um, there's one other. So I you think. just you lose actually, that on no, ten bucks. You just don't save ten bucks. So yeah, you lose that on ten oh, bucks. Oh yeah. But no, the, the 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 benefit obviously for us as customers is you do get to save these twenty bucks overall, like you're describing. It's really nice, and how ha- and like you get a solid. But you meant the benefit for us. Oh, is for... customers. <laughs> oh, like, how do we benefit from customers? Listen. I need to just close. I've actually been working for Nintendo since this podcast started 203 episodes ago. For seven years, I've been undercover trying to pitch Nintendo or like promote Nintendo to an unknowing audience. I'm an influencer that does not put hashtag ad at the end of anything I say. Oh, undercover so, boss, even though you're I'm not undercover my boss. boss, I'm the lackey. <laughs> undercover lackey. <laughs> um, no, what I was going to say is uh, it is kind of a cool deal because you get 12 months. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to think, like, what a show like that would, how would that would work? Because like, the like, boss hired you. No, that's like, it's just an entry level employee pretending to be another entry level employee. <laughs> exactly. And it's just going like, oh, people on this side of the often go and get like these perks and then I guess I don't know what they would do to benefit them like, listen it's about like you join as you're you're an undercover employee but are you a union member find out that's what you get assigned being guess, pro or anti-union that could be interesting Ooh. like a undercover union worker going in or something or yeah, yeah. undercover HR <laughs> I don't know undercover HR is just asking for HR violations but <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't that's know, literally that the only reason you would want that show, just yeah. to see like how many did they break, and they're like, all right, so oh. everyone here is fired or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the show, the show doesn't end with, oh, it's our boss, yay, and everyone's clapping. It's like, oh, we're all fired, and the company shut down. <laughs> we're oh. doing undercover HR for the people that make undercover HR, <laughs> and then the show gets canceled, which in one episode, I guess everyone would know, or it would have done that well. Would that... everyone know, or would no one know? It, it, it would be planted. It would be like. Just really, I don't know, it'd be like the camera guy or something, and everyone's the following the wrong guy. person. Imagine, but it's really the person looking at everything from the very beginning. And to think this all spun out of you could save twenty dollars with some game vouchers. <laughs> but yeah, no, honestly, the, it is today. a cool. It, we're on something, I feel like, but it is a cool concept. The game vouchers, because like you don't have to spend them right away. That's the thing I think is very neat. You get a year to spend them, and Nintendo's and like, then what? You just lose the money? Yeah, what? but I think you do. They have they put a time. They say it in the rules. You have a time limit. You don't get the money back? Oh, maybe you get the money back. I don't I know. I mean, that sounds kind of like... No, no, like... no. You lose the money. You're buying gift cards. You're buying digital gift cards, essentially. So if you don't spend them, that's on you. Now, the trick is with a gift card, they can never expire. But because these are vouchers and not gift cards, they found a legal loophole. But what I was going to say is, sure, if you if you spend $100 and forget you spent $100 and don't know what <laughs> know, to do yeah. with it... It technically shouldn't yeah. happen, and if it does, it's kind of on you. But okay. if you're smart about it, they are adding new games to it as time goes on. So, like... They already said upcoming games like Fire Emblem will support it, which is nice. But they just the other day also announced, this wasn't part of the original package a week ago, that Dragon Quest Builders 2, which Nintendo's publishing, is now part of the program. And it's uh, not only... Maybe a game? What? No, I think it's a 50 or 60. I don't remember which. But what's cool about it is you can use your voucher to pre-purchase the game. And if you pre-purchase the game on the eShop, you actually get free DLC at launch. So not only can you get the game with this discount but you can also get all the perks as if you paid the full price so it is kind of a cool system but what i actually think is like probably the most ingenious part of this whole thing is like what it means for nintendo themselves 
because like the the obvious takeaway is by selling um, this thing requires Switch Online subscriptions. We should say that up front. You need Switch Online to be able to buy the game voucher. You could presumably then cancel Switch Online once you have the game voucher, but you need to have it to buy it. And um, like obviously the perk for us as the customers is if you buy a one year Switch Online subscription, it costs twenty dollars, and then the the discount gives you twenty dollars back. So basically, you're breaking even and getting a free year of Switch Online. Alternatively, if you want to buy a month's worth of Switch Online and purchase the vouchers, you're now actually saving money versus breaking even, so you're coming out ahead. Um, however you want to look at it, it's, it's, it's good for the customer in a way that will convince them to go check out Switch Online. It's a good value add for Switch Online. Basically, it's a great thing that will get people to engage with Switch Online. So that's the number one perk of it for Nintendo. And, and the catch is you have to do it by July 31st. There's a little sense of urgency, too. But the, the second layer in the cleverness um, is, to your point, that Nintendo never discounts their games, even digitally. I think this is their way of trying to do that without upsetting their retail partners. Because like one of the reasons Nintendo keeps their digital games at the same price as their physical releases is to not upset their retailers. Because like fact is, every eShop download has all its revenue go directly to Nintendo. There's no, metal, there's no uh, middleman, there's no Best Buy, Walmart, Target taking a cut, nothing like that. And Nintendo saves on the cost of packaging and shipping for, you know, everyone that goes digital instead of physical, they're saving a ton of money. So theoretically, a digital game can retail for cheaper than a physical game and still generate more revenue per copy sold than a standard physical release would. Wow. But, right, like, I mean, that's just kind of common sense. But if Nintendo were to actually do that, like if Nintendo were to discount all their games on the eShop, they'd run into some problems with their retail partners getting upset. They're not being, you know, they're being cut out. They're not getting their fair share. And at that point, what would stop any of their retail partners from saying, "Screw you, Nintendo. We're just not going to sell your items anymore." If all we're doing is being a con, uh, like conduit for you to take money away from us, why would we sell it? So for that reason, Nintendo doesn't discount their games on the eShop as a standard practice. But what the game voucher program does—that this is where I think it's really clever—is it lets Nintendo do the discounted digital pricing. But it's in a way where it won't upset, upset their retail partners because it requires a membership. It requires jumping through some hoops. It requires paying in advance. It requires you to remember to circle back later to use your voucher or you lose it. There's all this unnecessary complication, but it actually is necessary from Nintendo's perspective because it adds enough extra friction to the process that doesn't look like Nintendo's undercutting or directly harming their retailers, yet it gives fans the discount they want if they're willing to go through the motions. So it's kind of like this perfect middle ground of the two. And I know that like PlayStation and Xbox, they say, screw it, we'll just do 20% off. It's fine. But they only do that as limited sales. This is all, this is a limited sale, but it's a much longer term one. You have a year. Any new release in the next year, hypothetically, will fall under this. So it's kind of a different approach to a problem that every company has as they go digital. But I think it's a clever one. I, I like what they're doing. It's, it's smart. And for us, it means free money. So why not? Um, final thing of Mario Maker. Level creation. We touched on everything else in the direct, but we the, the thing's called Mario Maker. We didn't talk about the making very much. And um, I feel like, I don't know how you feel, but I, I've i started to realize I'm way more impressed with Mario Maker 2 than you are, but I feel like the amount of stuff they crammed into the level editor and like the weird ideas and stuff is actually like... Basically, no one said no to them for anything. And it's really cool because, like, you got the slopes, you got the on-off switches, you got the ability to control scrolling to the point where you can also make hidden rooms in stages because this one will just stop if you go in the right spot. You've got, like, that entire moon mechanic where they're just like, oh, you know all the physics of Mario? Well, if you make it nighttime, 
none of those physics apply. Goombas are floating and like things are like, you know, this enemy does this and all these behaviors you expect are totally different. It's just like a whole like remix of everything uh, just because they can. And then on top of that, you got the Mario 3D World thing where, you know, you would think, oh, it's a new style on top of a regular Mario Maker. But no, Nintendo was like, we're going to do a whole separate mode with its own separate rules so you have this entirely different Mario Maker inside the Mario Maker you're already playing. So it's just like, it's, it's, it, I'm saying it's like the third time now, but I feel like, and I know you disagree, but I feel like there's enough content here that they could have done two or three different Mario Makers over time with, and they just crammed it all in. It's, it's kind of impressive. And that 3D World thing is actually really interesting because, like, I mean, what, what did you think of the fact that they split it? Um, it seemed weird. That was my initial reaction. I but, was like, I don't know, it's, but I guess it makes sense. I don't know. I, yeah, my, like initially, I basically had your reaction, like a weird, like oh, okay, I guess. And I, mean, I was actually kind of bummed. But, that, but there's a lot of mechanics that I guess yeah. you can't really do, and one that you can't do in the other. Or I guess that, I guess if you translate them over, you pretty much lose that just traditional Mario. Yeah, or like they have to, or they just won't work. Like, how do you do transparent pipes with pixel art? I mean, I guess you just could. two lines. I mean, I so. guess, but that seems or like how you, or like Cat Mario, how you, you have to account for him climbing on everything. I mean, you like, just press up. It's like climbing a ladder at that point. No, I know, I know, but I mean, like, but I know what you mean, like, yeah, because Cat Mario, hypothetically, if you're using the Mario three style, because, and, well, and you have those like white and blue and red like block columns that are really just background that you can you know fall behind in the first level of Mario three or whatever, theoretically, Cat Mario should be able to climb all those, following the logic of Cat Mario, but not really. Even though they're for, even though they're not totally background, they're sort of in the middle ground, and Mario can go behind them. Cat Mario can't touch them, so like there are weird like logic things there, yeah. So kind, of, so what were you gonna say? I feel like you're no, I, I don't know. It's just it's like me as weird. Like I feel like if they, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I could say like if they wanted to, they could have made it work. Cause, I, I think because I mean, like I said, like I mean, clear pipes like just yeah. make like, that doesn't seem to me like too hard to make. Yeah, once I said that, I realized that one's not as bad. But I, I do and, think it gave them the freedom to go all in with the new ideas in 3D World and not to worry about retrofitting them. Yeah, I mean, which it, means more creativity. No, that, that's why. Like, I mean, and, that's why. Like, I, I feel like the best thing is just that. I guess this way they don't hold the Mario 3D World. They don't hold the 3D World part back. Yeah. In any way, while letting it, you know, just do as much as they yeah, can. Yeah, because them the freedom to just go wild with yeah, it. Yeah, because it'd be a shame if. I mean, that of all modes, it's like, oh, can't I do this? Can't I do that? I mean, obviously, you know that we're not playing in 3D space, so yeah. it's not Super Mario 64 Maker. Right. Like, Yet. I don't know. So, that I mean, one wouldn't work. Yeah. At that point, it would just be like another level. Dreams is just nuts. I know. But um, no, the, the, the other thing about 3D World that I think is like, okay, cool, I can get behind this. And this is something that everyone picked up on. So it's in a section of the menu called Extra Game Styles. And that section is has empty space. It's not like it's the only option. They are for sure going to be doing some DLC. They, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the first of it at E3, honestly. But like, not. And what's cool is it's not just like, oh, they're doing new skins, they're doing new overlays. Oh, hey, look, Mario looks like this now. If they're doing extra game styles as the expansion thing, that means they could do full on new mechanics. That means they can do like things from a Mario game you would expect to translate into 2d in some way and 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 do it like the possibilities are endless it's really cool like mario maker is almost like a platform for them now opposed to just a game like obviously there are shoe-ins like you know they could do to just give an example like they could do the mario land series right and they can have the whole thing be gray and green kind of like the tetris 99 game boy theme and they can maybe bring along unique items like the prop plane that mario flies the sky pop or whatever it's called 
or you know maybe they do mario 2 and they have him pulling items out of the ground they do the whole item grabbing and throwing and holding mechanics like there's so much possibility now if you like think about it, it get you can get real crazy nintendo can get real crazy and do some really cool stuff like i don't know i can't uh mario galaxy actually that'd be a good one they did a bunch of side-scoring mario Gal- uh, side-scoring stuff in mario galaxy 2 yeah definitely i mean the whole yeah. gravity mechanic is they I mean, already have it in the moon mode they could just retrofit yeah. it's perfect or like i mean there were literally 2d gravity levels in mario odyssey so yeah so they could just do a, a odyssey galaxy thing or like uh this one's a little more far-fetched but i i'd be okay with them doing like something in the style of like super paper mario i mean obviously they can't do the tilt the z axis and now you're in a 3d space but they could do something with the ability to like have the world fold or unfold or move if you trigger certain things like with switches like it could be it could be cool like there's just so much but to, i don't know am i missing any mario games that would be like really wild to do but actually kind of make perfect sense now that this can of worms is being opened mm. wario land they could do wario land they could literally have wario in it and just do wario land or wario world they could do three style of wario they wouldn't have a wario maker and just like kind of they could know, i mean get they more could, money from that way no it's not a big enough franchise but they could sell it as DLC for like 15 bucks or whatever or 10 bucks or whatever they do and like you know they could do like packages almost like Smash Bros does where they have like Fire Pass and each one comes with like a stage and a music and thing like it could be like you unlock the tools for it and you unlock new pre-made levels and you unlock a new sprite you can use in multiplayer online oh my god the Warrior Land feels like endless. it has enough to you think? yeah cause I mean you have Warrior Land 1 you have Warrior Land 3 Warrior Land 4 that's already like I guess 2 just does it <laughs> you don't have Warrior Land 2 it just goes 1, well, 3, cause 4 because 1 and 2 are like Similar, similar enough. Very similar. You also have Warrior World on GameCube. Yeah, you have Warrior, you have Warrior Land Shake It. That's a completely yeah. different aesthetic. Ooh, right the Shake It look would be really cool. And that stands out tremendously against the other ones. Exactly. Man, I'm really... This This might actually That's be, already as many games as the original Mario Maker has. This might be the Trojan horse of Mario Maker is the fact that they can revive things like Wario Land. They can do crazy things like Galaxy and they can charge a decent amount of money and do a whole bundle of DLC and people will buy it because it's really cool concept i mean the engine is there yeah yeah it's it's that'd be cool and what's really cool is like whenever whatever styles they introduce i mean i feel like the next step would just be like a top-down zelda maker or something yeah i mean there was have, talk of that one or people your wanted to the past your link's awakening your, or zelda one yeah or even um a link between worlds i mean you have your 3d phantom to 2d yeah so yeah the phantom hourglass look there's already enough to they could you that. know honestly they could make mario maker that's the structure one that makes, that's the one that makes the most sense to me versus like a 3d zelda yeah no i think you're right they could totally do a um they could retrofit other franchises into mario maker they could easily get away with a metroid maker inside oh mario yeah maker. That, that one or a kid Chris. i i i that's idea little, builder that's one i would definitely buy yeah well metroid not yeah yeah no but just like the fact that there's so many possibilities it's really cool and what's kind of neat is um whenever they do these possibilities uh course world is so sort of nicely set up for this because it's not just gonna be like you know they have a new mode and that's it you get like five pre-made levels and you can build your own there's gonna for sure be sections of course world dedicated to all of them you'll be able to browse rate download other people's stages basically it's like any DLC pack, even if they only do one or two, if they don't get as crazy as we're hoping, any DLC is going to be a huge shot in the arm content-wise for Mario Maker. This game, like, like if you think, like, a new Smash Fire adds a decent amount, or if you think, like, Splatoon doing all its in-game events and items adds a decent amount, like, imagine if, let's say, once every six months, Nintendo's just like, here's an entirely new game inside your game. 
with endless stages. It's like that old, like, you know those kitty like, oh, times infinity taunts? Like, it's that, except real. Like, it's just infinite possibility every time they do something new. That's, to me, super cool. So, hopefully that is a sign, the little extra space next to 3D World that they're actually doing that. And I think that does kind of um, sum up the Mario Maker Direct. But, um, I really wish if Nintendo could get this creative with some of their other stuff. And really what I mean is Mario Kart Tour. Like, it blows my mind that the same company that seems so inspired, to me at least, with Mario Maker 2, is simultaneously responsible for something as uninspired looking oh, as company, Mario Kart Tour. But it's not the same No, team. different, t- but it's all Nintendo developed and published. And that to me is just like crazy that they're so different. So for those who don't know, uh, Mario Kart Tour is currently in beta on uh, for certain Android users that were picked. Neither of us are Android users, so I would have loved to try it. We're just got to get secondhand impressions, because the beta testers, they're under NDA for sharing screenshots and videos. They can't post anything. Of course they are anyway. Whatever. But uh, oddly, they are free to talk about the game. And based on what they're saying, it's it's not great. It, it's really not. It's, um, I've heard it's great visually. Yeah, it looks pretty good. On the on the phone, it doesn't look good in the captures people have been posting, but it looks it looks kind of barren. But it looks pretty good in the you've seen captures, video captures, yeah, screen captures. Huh. How dare you! I I'm not breaking a contract. I'm allowed to look at things. Nintendo didn't want people to see it. You should respect their wishes and not see it. Well, then again, I have bad news for Nintendo. Then again, I'm about bashed the hell out of this thing, so <laughs> I hope again, they don't mind. Then again, you are getting the playmate, so you definitely yeah. stopped caring about what Nintendo thought a long time ago. Hey, whoa, shots fired. Listen, the Playmate... Okay, so it's Playdate, not Playmate. But, um... Yeah, the crank that doesn't power it. So, okay, we're detouring. We're talking about it. I wasn't going to bring up the Playdate because it's not Nintendo related, but no. No, 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 this thing's cool. You know why, you know why looks, I'm getting... It looks the, like a Game Boy. You know why I'm getting the Playdate? So for those who don't know, the Playdate... We'll come back to Mario Kart Tour. The Playdate... Can you do me a favor and just mark when we start talking about Playdate so I can put it on the thing? Um, the podcast episode. The Playdate is... Man, it's like the most spontaneous episode we've done in such a long time. The Playdate is the type of device Nintendo would have done in the early 2000s. It is the type of weird, odd, who knows if it's actually going to work idea that Nintendo would have for sure done at that time as like a weird side project. It's from the same train of thought as WarioWare Twisted, as Kirby Tilt and Tumble, as as um, the initial idea of the DS. Like, it basically, for those who don't know what it is, um, this company, I'm blanking out their name. Yeah, they made a bunch of other stuff for a long time. So they started out making FTP clients for Mac. They made Transit. And then they started making games, and they started publishing games, right? That's what you're starting to get at. Yeah. So they published Firewatch. Um, they're publishing Untitled Goose Game. The company's name is escaping me and I feel really bad because like we're about to talk about their thing for a few minutes but basically these guys who started making an FTP client are now um, making a game machine and it's cool because it's like I was saying it's very very Nintendo-y and um, what that translates to and the company's Panic by the way I just looked it up while I was talking but what that translates to is weird innovative different and pretty cool looking so it's this little Game Boy-esque device. It's bright yellow. It has a black and white screen, no backlight, but very bright, I guess, through the contrast. I don't know. They say it, work, it works well under sunlight. And you have a, a – on the side is a crank. So they teamed up with a hardware company called Teenage Engineer, and they do a bunch of weird, quirky, hipster hardware. 
and they were like what if you put a crank on it and they're like what if we put a crank on it and they're like what if you put a crank on it and then they put a crank on it and um essentially it has all these different games that use normal inputs but then some of the games will exclusively use the crank there's one by the katamari uh creator where you you control time by cranking forward and backward and then what the characters do is based it's kind of like on um, the gardens between how you control time changes how the characters interact with the world but it's all like this kind of dot matrix pseudo dot matrix um look for the game like kind of game boy graphics and it's just this really interesting idea because not only do you have this kind of quirky little handheld but the way they're delivering the games is really interesting because they're not telling us what the games are in advance and they're not releasing them through a normal download how it will work is when you buy the device it's $150 you will get 12 games those 12 games will then be delivered weekly via Wi-Fi to your device and every Monday or Wednesday or whatever day it is I thought they said all the games are already on the device there's mixed messages about that I thought so too but then someone said it was from Wi-Fi someone said they're saying you unlock them once a week but I think they actually push them to you in case they need to do Mm -hmm. last minute adjustments and they're calling all the games a season and the idea behind it is much like event television, much like how everyone in the world, I feel like, was obsessed with Game of Thrones and we'd all know what was going on and then the next day you'd be in the elevator at work and everyone knows what happened and you're landing in a plane and on Game of Thrones night and the second plane lands, everyone's like, oh, how are we watching Game of Thrones? And that's like the whole plane is just talking about Game of Thrones. Like they're trying, obviously on not that scale, but they're trying to make game releases and discussing each game as it comes out more of a communal event. So you'll get the game on the same day as everyone else. That'll be your first time knowing much about it beyond the tile screen, which they'll announce in advance. And then you just play it. And then you get to experience it. And you get to talk about it. And there's kind of like this hive mind around it. And then the next game comes along and the same thing. And they're processing that at the 150 bucks, you get 12 games. You get the device. And there could be future seasons. Apparently thousands of uh, people that are now interested in developing. So who knows? I imagine future seasons will cost more money. But it's just a really cool combination of ideas that are very much like how Nintendo used to do it. But can it play Skyrim? TBD? Probably not. Can it play Doom? Probably. Hmm. Isn't Doom the one everyone else ports? Well, yeah. yeah. Both of those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's just this really cool thing and when I saw it, I was just like, everything about this is great. Like, it's the perfect little gaming gadget. It's not a serious platform. It's not going to, like, take over the handheld market for Nintendo. It's this kind of quirky little niche thing that will probably sell pretty decently within their goals but it's not going to be like a you know the next Switch or the next 3DS but it's really cool and it's different and it's very Nintendo-y without being Nintendo so yes I am cheating on Nintendo to get this thing you are right and because of that I don't care what Nintendo thinks I'm just going to talk about Mario Kart Tour and I'm going to say what I feel even though it's under NDA that I didn't sign so it doesn't even affect me anyway and you're welcome to break the NDA you didn't sign as well because I'm sure you probably have some thoughts on it but yeah are, are you getting the play date even? yeah I thought you were saying you you were gonna get. Yeah, yeah. Me too. What a coincidence. Yep. Yep. Uh, pre-orders go up later this year. It goes on sale early next year. Early next year. Anyway, Mario Kart Tour. Back to back to the thing. Um, yeah, it doesn't look great, is what I was starting to say. <laughs> and I think, uh, I think. Well, first of all, just to describe a bit, it does follow the same basic mo as Nintendo's other mobiles, uh, mobile games. So you know, it's like a stripped down experience that kind of is more just to get folks to check out the IP and then maybe get them to jump to a fully dedicated Nintendo device and play the game there in full right but the way Tor does it is just so like blah like you don't control acceleration your field of view is limited by a game only displaying this vertical perspective so you don't really see your sides you use gotcha for everything there's literally paywalls everywhere and like 
the thing that bothers me is Mario Run was built around the limitations of smartphones. It was advertised as being built around that and had level design that anticipated that. Fire Emblem was adopted well for smartphones by integrating new mechanics that make sense for quick play and for, you know, that sort of screen. Animal Crossing was basically given a whole makeover. Like, Pocket Camp is not like Animal Crossing. I feel like this is like the worst. Of all the ideas we came up with, this is like the worst, the worst one. thing they could have done. Yeah, because this Mario Kart is just a lesser Mario Kart. It's not like adhere. It's not like taking advantage of the new platform to do new things. That's what Nintendo said they were going to do with smartphones. It's restricted by what the platform does. Instead, being built to like maximize the format, it's literally being held back by the format. And like, I think a good example of this is probably the controls, because um, basically you drag your finger back and forth, left and right, to steer your cart. And when you don't, it auto centers on the track, and and that's it. Like, if you want. There is a manual drifting option you can apparently enable. It does feel more Mario Kart-ish from what I've been hearing, but that's off by default. And while I do get on some level not having a virtual acceleration button, like it's kind of like how Mario Auto runs and Mario Run and that sort of worked, it's just this implementation so lacking, at least conceptually. Like, never mind your point, Angel, that like it's the worst, it's the least creative idea of what they could have done with a Mario Kart at all. Like, you had the cool idea of, like, what if a tractor driving, like, adventurous thing in Pokemon Go, or, like, you had a few others as well, like, AR, right, or something like that. Yeah. Like, all those would be really cool. So let's say, let's say, sure, they're not going to do those, because clearly they're not. Why, like, if you're making a smartphone Mario Kart, why not actually build it around the touch screen of a cell phone? Like, they're just, vir- they're doing a virtual joystick, essentially, but it would have been really cool, I think, if they did, like, neat touch screen things, like, I don't know, um, Obviously, a hop would be an upward flick, but then they could do stuff like maybe you could perform evasive maneuvers to get around items if you do like a quick swipe in a certain spot, or like maybe, you know, it could, it could almost be like um, the trick system where you go off jumps. You know, you press a button, and it does a trick. Maybe there's like a trick version for evading items now or something because that uses the, that could use the touchscreen interestingly, or like I don't know, maybe they bring back punching from Mario Kart Double Dash. You know, if you have an item and you're in the backseat, kind of like flack the other person. Yeah, do that and have you the tap too. the what? It also influences car too, so right. that would actually be some. My yeah, so meta a, right there. Yeah, like they could have done anything like that, and it would have been interesting to use the touchscreen in some way. But they just did the bare minimum, and it's really—I don't know. Like, have you have you actually? Let's be honest. Besides, oh, you betrayed Nintendo. Have you watched any of the footage, or have you seen any screenshots, or do you know? I have you, not actually. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, what do you think of it? I in terms remain of loyal. We didn't sign anything with them, or agree to anything. We aren't. I have my integrity. I don't. <laughs> no, but uh, I mean, what, based on what I'm describing, then what's your what's the vibe you have to this? Like, what you think? Disappointment. I mean, there's a reason why I don't play with auto steer and auto accelerate mm-hmm. on Mario Kart Eight. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like when you're playing on a phone, it's like I don't expect to play full on Mario Kart. If anything, I would rather not play full on Mario Kart on my phone. I agree. I'd rather have like a simplified experience. And this sounds like I said earlier, like the worst possible thing they could have decided yeah. to do with Mario Kart. I think what's funny is that like the same week this came out, we also got the announcement of Pokemon Rumble Rush for smartphones, which is basically a smartphoneification of Pokemon Rumble in the same way Kart is uh, towards a smartphoneification. Smartphoneification, there we go, of uh, Mario Kart. But you know, and it, it's the same level of problems. It has a ton of microtransactions and whatnot. But like for some reason, Rumble doesn't feel as bad. Maybe because like it doesn't feel as stripped down. I mean, the core mechanics of Rumble are pretty much one to one with the smartphone game. Or maybe like maybe because the gotcha mechanics aren't as bad, which we'll get to in a sec with Tor. But I, I don't know. Maybe it's simply that like you know what I actually think it is. Now I think about it. I think I'm holding Nintendo to a higher standard 
because they specifically told us to hold them to a higher standard. They specifically said like stuff. Okay. They specifically said we're gonna make games that leverage the platform. We're gonna make games that don't have crazy monetization games. Like the whole idea of Mario Run was this is how Nintendo does smartphone games. You pay up front. You have a game that's built directly for the phone, and now. It, they're undoing all that and that's what's most disappointing I think about Tor actually it's not so much the gameplay there's probably some fun to be had but it's Nintendo's going like all in on the smarmy free to play stuff all those mechanics because it's not just loot boxes they're doing the stupid timer system too so the games divide into different cups each named after a different character they come with three races and a bonus mini game the main games are almost like the return to mission mode which we haven't seen since what Mario Kart Wii I think, Mario Kart DS. DS. So that's kind of cool that they're bringing that back, and they're kind of now sprinkled throughout the cup. So that, that's a neat touch. But each cup is behind a timer, and no matter what you do in the game, at least in the beta form, you need to wait up to an hour for that timer to expire. Unless, of course, you wish to buy emeralds, which are one of the games so for... they don't want us to play that game that much on the go, I guess? Or they want you oh, to, to pay, pay with yeah, emeralds, because right. emeralds are one of four different currencies in the game oh and this new cup timer thing is separate from your stamina meter your stamina meter which has five hearts uh will lose a heart each time you do a cup or each time you do a race sorry and the hearts take 12 minutes each to refill so theoretically you could have enough hearts to replay old tracks while you wait the one hour for the new new cup to uh, unlock even though you already unlocked it waiting for the timer just to run out except not really because if you're using all six hearts in the one hour or all five hearts in the one hour you now don't have a heart to go play your new cup with and you need to wait 12 minutes or pay again so there are two competing timers simultaneously happening it's insane and then about those four currencies so first there's emeralds and coins which are spent on loot boxes that give you characters carts gliders and yes they each have rarities they each have spawn rates Luigi, for example, is a rare character, and I imagine that's why he's death staring because he realizes how BS this is. Uh, but then there's stars. Stars are currency number three for those keeping track at home. And with stars, you use these to unlock new tracks and cups. So you have the coins to unlock characters, carts, and gliders, and you have stars to unlock tracks and cups. But stars are dependent on a fourth thing called driver points. And driver points is where this entire system really kicks into overdrive, no pun intended. Because apparently in Tor, it's less about simply getting first place and more about earning points through what you do in the race. So, like, your placement matters, but so does how many items you use, how much you drift or boost. And because, of course, there's grinding in this game, which character you use, which cart you use, which glider you use, which do you use together, in what combination, all that will affect your driver points. All those driver points go towards your stars all the stars go towards unlocking new tracks those new tracks need to be played with characters you unlock with coins but all that is dependent on the stupid timers it's insane <laughs> and like you Huge disappointment yeah and apparently well i mean it's still beta or whatever they're yeah but oh by the way it gets it gets worse each thing you unlock has its own default driver point value you start at so the more rare character and the more rare cart and the more rare glider will have a higher driver point value and what that means is like Pay this is win. not essentially because this is not just a cosmetic thing it's not like a light heavy class like normal characters and carts are in normal Mario Kart it's nothing like that you are now going to want to get the rare ones and buy into this whole gotcha loot box m- machine because it literally saves you from needing to grind as much so yes it is a whole pay to win scheme in the middle of the game and you're going to have to replay races over and over just to unlock the next set 
and I didn't even mention that like each track also has an ideal character who should you use them will give you bonus driver points meaning you're not just grinding to get better characters but for the unlikely spawn of a specific character you're grinding for that thing too it's just like it's so and on top of all that there are also tickets you can buy and what do tickets do tickets will temporarily boost your driver skills which I assume means a boost in driver points oh my god it's insane and in a strange way like if you think about it on some level this is probably the most one to one with a real Nintendo game any of the Nintendo mobile games are because like obviously with normal Mario Kart you're unlocking characters carts and gliders as you play the more you play the more you unlock they unlock at random so like on that level all they did was put money on top of it but then they also put stamina on top of it and then they put driver points and then they put all these other things that just kept stacking and it's like Nintendo's just going all in on this pay to win mechanic and they could just let I feel like they could have just let the gotcha system be about aesthetics or about character preferences in terms of like usual things like top speed and weight class or like you know it can maybe have a minor influence but the amount of influence it has is insane it's crazy and like I originally like you made the point well it is a beta and I originally thought I even said this on the podcast when we were talking about Dragalia Law scaling down its gotcha systems. I was saying I think the beta is probably a good thing because, you know, it's it's to see what sort of monetization scheme might make the most sense for Mario Kart. And, you know, maybe in light of... Um, I mean, at least the method should be clear that it's like a resounding failure. It is verbally as we sit here talking about it. It is as you read stuff, but if people are engaging with it, if they have the player data showing otherwise, that I mean, what's this? I mean, they might scale is back. Is that really all bit. they're gonna focus on? I don't. I mean, I don't know. Because because we're keep in mind we're also coming to it as console games. I mean, so we're coming. The Emoji to... Movie was a million dollar movie. That doesn't mean it's a great movie. True. Hopefully they listen. Just because people watched it, but they also people like to watch train wrecks. But yeah, the um. That... But I guess that being said. The end game is the money, so well that that's what's so weird is like it's also supposed to be about the IP exposure, so it's this weird back and forth. But the um, and what I was gonna say is kind of weird is like I thought the beta was for them to test monetization schemes, right? But it seems like they're doing all the ones that the rest of the mobile industry has shown work. Like I thought they were, I thought they're gonna try and avoid these tactics, but they're going on all in. And what's annoying is there are games that do avoid these tactics and still make a ton of money. Like look at Pokemon Go. According to Sensor Tower, they made $64 million last month in April alone. That's 15% more than what they made April a year ago. And year over year so far, they're making upwards of 30% more money than they did the first five and however many months of 2018. So like they're making money, and they're not doing it through timers or loot boxes or anything like that. They're doing it with a steady rollout of items that actually augment the experience in a useful way. Like They have new lures to attract specific types of Pokemon. They have various in-game events constantly going, like they did Extraordinary Raid Week this past week, where every day was a different raid with a different legendary. And they just keep pumping new Pokemon into the game. They're doing a new batch of Sinnoh Pokemon. And like all these things are letting them make more money than ever. And Wait, is they're not done with Sinnoh? No. Oh my god. They're they're drip feeding. But yeah, like all it but it works. All this stuff, they're making Niantic's making more money and they haven't had to resort to timers, to stamina, to pay to win, to play gates, to any of that. And I'm realizing now that the cart that's true the only limit is really where you live yeah and it works and I was hoping Mario Kart would be similar but what I'm now realizing is the cart beta is not about Nintendo going oh which monetization schemes work best it seems like it's about Nintendo going how far can we push the in-game gotchas and what do we need to scale back as much as we can get away with while still being acceptable based on player data 
that's how I'm viewing the beta now. And, and to be fair, that means a lot of the mechanics we just talked about could end up changing. They could end up going away. They could become more reasonable. But the fact that Nintendo's even toying with them just feels so different from what they said their view on free-to-play was only a couple years ago. Like, it's such a complete 180. And I, I don't know if we should blame past mobile games like Mario Run. You know, that a better monetization scheme for the end user, but it didn't do well in the sense that it didn't deliver the profit they expected. Or, like, maybe it's Nintendo's new president, Toru Furukawa. He, he has these ambitions of mobile becoming this billion-dollar pillar for Nintendo. And the only way you do something like that when you're making a few hundred million is things like this or maybe it's something else entirely i don't know but i do know that at least to me it's kind of sad to see nintendo to just like succumb to the pressures of mobile gaming monetization after taking the high road for so long and telling us how they're be they're gonna be different they're gonna be more nintendo like they're more respective of the player they understand that a lot of them are kids they don't want to kind of take advantage of them and yet here we are they caved they're doing the exact thing they said they weren't gonna do man it's almost as bad as that um I forgot what the name of the game was. It was like Dungeon Keeper, Dungeon something. The one we talked about on the podcast a few years ago? Yeah, where like everything is just waiting. Like, oh, you want to break a wall? All right, mm-hmm. cool. It's like, all right, wait a few more minutes. Everything is just waiting and then so much. And yeah, so many different currencies. And I remember it was based on a very extremely popular game that people love where yeah. pretty much you're, you are the dungeon lord or the, the dungeon master and you're just trying to build a death chest for the heroes to come in. Right. You know, a role reversal. Normally you're the hero going into the dungeon. Just reverse it. Yeah. But people were excited about a mobile version because it seems perfect for it. But sure enough, it just got monetized to death. And yeah, it's like I think or the, the music monster game that I downloaded recently. Oh, just, 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 wait, wait, did you download that a few years ago, or is this a different one? No, it's for it's the same one from like maybe a year or two ago. Yeah, no, just for fun, just to see like what it was because I was bombarded with ads from this on, on YouTube. So I just I guess it worked because I downloaded it. Yeah, but it was more to see like I was just curious like what it actually is, and it was literally just a waiting game. You play a monster, all right, you wait for it to sing so it could build up this meter, get enough of that meter, you get another monster, you get a few of the same ones, they create like a little harmony, right. then you get these eggs, you could put, you could build, yeah, it's, it's nuts. And what, so much waiting. what sucks about it is like, it's quickly becoming the norm. And then you have these currencies that are like, oh, do you want to speed up the waiting by like half the time or full yeah. time or whatever? Yeah, it's just like, it's really unfortunate because like... I, th- I think ultimately Nintendo's original stance that the we game companies need to be better than this and not take advantage of people like this is the one that's going to remain on the right side of history because, like, it's getting bad. There's this growing movement and concern about how, like, loot boxes are basic and play to win or pay to win. Play to win is the correct way to do it. Pay to win is the wrong way to do it. But it's ba- there's this, like, growing movement of how basically they're problematic because if you think about it, they're using the same psychological tricks as gambling just without any of the regulation that gambling gets and like you know some folks point out it's not really much different than buying a booster pack of pokemon cards back in the day things like loot boxes or how like the randomization works in mario kart less so the timers obviously but uh i'd argue it's 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 very different um like yeah both are about odds and there are certain specific things you may want and you can get suckered into buying multiple of those randomized packs just to get that thing but loot boxes have you go for broke. They're like real gambling. Once you put your money in, that's it regardless of the outcome. It's gone forever. Your money's gone. Booster packs, trading cards, like those. When you have something tangible, when you're buying something tangible and you can open it and you have it and you know you have it with each purchase, like there's still kind of like a 
you have the freedom to do what you want. You can keep it, you can sell it, you can trade it. There's like sort of this bartering that occurs where it's like, oh yeah, a guaranteed return on your investment. You will put money down, you will get something back. Will you like the thing? It may not be exactly what you want, but you could always flip it and get some money back that way. Loot boxes don't offer that because they're digital and they're locked into the environment you bought them in. And once they're there, they're there and your money's gone. And especially ones where they do duplicates, that's just really basically no different than gambling so nintendo at least isn't doing duplicates from mario kart it sounds like once you get it you get it but it's still like kind of that same sort of mentality of like oh i really want this thing and i keep pouring money in and you have no way to get that money back once you get that thing you just have all these other things you don't want so i think that's one of the differentiating factors that make it so much worse than what like we grew up with with pokemon cards or whatever and actually now that i think about it i you know what there's probably even more direct distinction that didn't incur me everything Everything you get in a physical booster pack is of the same value to the person that sells you the booster pack. To the producer, to the distributor, you are paying a flat rate, and the things in that are worth exactly the same. They have X amount of cards in a pack. They sell to you for a certain amount of money, and all the change in value of those individual cards or those individual pogs or whatever it may be. I mean, I guess some of the shiny ones are cost a little more. But yeah, but as far as like, yeah, yeah. yeah, but like all the perceived value is all aftermarket. It's all outside the company. All those changes in how something they don't worked, see any of that money exactly. Yeah. Like they get a flat rate for the randomized thing, and then the rest is up to you know. I mean, Konami you. isn't getting thousands of dollars for that one rare misprinted. Exactly, card. some random dude is who's yeah. selling it. But what what's different with loot boxes is they're they're basically slot machines because yeah, like there's a flat rate yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. You could put in a flat rate, but guess what? You want to use a two time multiplier? You may get something more rare. Put in double the money. We'll change your odds. And once that happens, the the producer of the product is now profiting from the perceived value instead of just throwing it out there and letting the aftermarket do it. And that, more so than what I was saying about tangible items. I lost it. It's like, oh, yeah. if you do a summon with these 10 like tickets or whatever, yeah. you have a greater chance of getting a legend. And that's what, Mario Kart, that's what Mario Kart sort of looks like it's going to do because they have percentage rates of what the odds of getting each thing are and it's not very hard for Nintendo to go like, hey, we're going to give you double or nothing if you want to spend an extra emerald with us or something. And once you do that, it's gambling. It's not just a random chance thing. It's with preset odds. Yeah, so I kind of get it. And, you know, with that distinction in mind, actually, both these distinctions, it makes sense that we're reaching a point where governments are starting to intervene. Like, up to this point, it's really been just Belgium who took action. They, uh, they're a small country, so it's easy for companies to, to just sort of sidestep and yeah for things to get done and for companies to just sort of sidestep and move on with their lives so like they aren't allowing loot boxes and Square Enix is like okay our game won't be there and EA is like okay our games won't be there but uh, what's interesting is now like the day before Mario Kart Tour's beta launched Nintendo actually announced it too would be pulling some of its games from Belgium because of this law so Fire Emblem Heroes and uh, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp starting in August will not be available in Belgium whatsoever uh, now, Nintendo says it's out of an abundance of caution because they don't know how the law will shake out. But come on. Like, if your practices truly steered away from the concept of loot boxes and the gambling, you wouldn't need to exercise caution. And now, if Mario Kart Tour is, like, more predatory in terms of its monetization in mind games, I imagine it will never show up there in the first place. Um, but the problem for Nintendo, but the nice thing for us as gamers who don't like gotcha, is uh, Belgium's approach to the situation is now spreading. So there's a bill 
here in the U.S. being put together in Congress to ban loot boxes and ban play-to-win schemes from appearing in any game that children may play. It's admittedly a pretty wide net, but the argument from the Republican senator who uh, proposed initially, a guy named Josh Hawley, or Haley Hawley maybe, is that um, right now game companies are getting away with monetizing addiction. And if you're an adult, you're responsible enough to perhaps not do it or, you know, you it's kind of on you. But if you're a kid, you don't know better. Like little Timmy is racking up charges because mind games are being used from an industry aimed at adults gambling inside his like colorful little fun game. And that is where the line seems to be getting drawn, at least um, here in the U.S. Because like unfortunately for Nintendo, uh, Holly's bill is picking up steam. It's already gained bipartisan support. There are two Democrats signed on for it. And unless the ESA, which is the video games like industry's lobbying group, unless they have a really strong lobbying game, I'm not sure if there's going to be anything that slows this thing down. Because, like, it sounds so promising at the start. We don't want your kids being addicted to stuff. They use mind games that get people addicted to gambling. You don't want that, right? Nope, I do not as a parent or whatever. Like, it, it's super easy. And, like, frankly, I don't know if the bill is the best approach to this situation. Like, there's something to be said for the bill leaving the mechanics open to adults still. Like, should we, should as a society, we try and help people who could be susceptible to these yeah, addictions? Addictive personality, their addictive personality. Exactly. So. Yeah. So there's that argument. Like, Maybe when I was saying before, like, oh, adults can't fend for themselves, that's just the bill's perspective, not mine necessarily. Like, just because we got someone off of something, like, they shouldn't really necessarily right. be exposed to something that's quote unquote, like, safer for them. Right. So then does it become, how do you regulate that? Like, gambling, you have to go to certain places to do it. Cause, like, online gambling's not allowed technically and this is sort of sort of like that and like you know regular gambling is more heavily regulated but down the flip side since loot boxes don't actually offer cash prizes maybe that's why they're left out from adult level gambling laws i I don't know there's certainly like a lot of nuance to it that's well above like my understanding of these things or my pay grade or whatever you want to call it but i i think this is a step in the right direction as much as it may suck for nintendo business wise like the industry is going down this rabbit hole of all this loot box shenanigans and the sooner it stopped the better and the industry had a chance to self-regulate they had a chance to go no 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 this is getting ridiculous let's scale it back they had a chance to do the right thing and even the company that took the high road and said it's a bad idea nintendo is now doing it so you gotta intervene somehow and it looks like governments are starting to do it so let's say the bill passes right loot boxes themselves no monetization shenanigans i don't think they're going away though Mm-mm. yeah because like the monetization hook could be taken out but i this idea of like basically digital booster packs for everything seems like it's pretty ingrained like games you wouldn't even expect to have it have it like you were telling me the other day like t- t- uh team sonic racing you asked earlier in the show but like it's full of it right i mean i want to say full of it, but, has it, it. but it has it like I really miss the days when, like, you can unlock certain things by doing certain things, or you know what? You literally you just build up a currency, and you just have a shop, yeah, like an in-game shop, and you just buy what you want. And <laughs> You're saying it like it's such a novel idea. <laughs> I know, right? Like, it, which is insane because it, it, it is shouldn't at this be. point, like, especially because yeah. um, I don't know, I can't even think of it, like a a racing game example, but like, you know, I would love it like in Mario Kart, you get so many coins. You know what those coins do? Nothing. All they do is just a counter for like, all right, every yeah, like here's a new random item. Every ten, no, not ten. Every a hundred coins, you get a new item. Yep. So it's like you're essentially buying like a gotcha ball, and you're just seeing what you get. 
I would so love you could just buy what you want because like oh I just want to get the Bowser kite for my glider. Okay. And dude, it's everywhere. And Bo- then, oh, uh, yeah. box boy and box girl. I'll get to it later. Gotcha mechanic or the the random you know uh, loot box to get outfits for him. Smash Bros. Been doing it for multiple games now. Yeah. It's like you can't and escape it. And like for Team Sonic Racing, I guess just at first I thought it was all right. It's cosmetics. Like oh, you can get like a new like spoiler for your car, or you can get different wheels. Yeah. And some of them, I guess, are cosmetic because I unlocked the like the the Hydro Thunder. I mean, I'm butchering the name because I don't really remember. Hydro Thunder is an excellent midway game from the. No, no, yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna call it like 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 the Hydro Thunder tires, and then they're like, all right, cool. Like they probably give you all all these. All these items like um, tweak the tweak different aspects of your car, give you yeah. more handling, give you more speed, blah blah blah. So like if you want your Sonic to maybe sacrifice a little bit of speed to have more handling, you can do that. Right. But oh, you didn't in the Gotcha Ball. You didn't get the one for Sonic. You got the one for Eggman. They do it by character. Yeah. Well, that's worse than Mario Kart significantly. At least Mario Kart it applies to everyone. Yeah. And um. And then on top of that, like there's also golden versions of each of these, so you have like I guess the normal one and the golden one. And from what I could tell, just by switching back and forth between the golden and normal, because I managed to get a few of these golden ones. Yeah. There's no difference to them except one is golden, so it's like I guess the rarer version. So it's just cosmetics. But yeah, then this game's like Mortal Kombat, where you just like unlock like that one and that, and that. Well, for that game, it's completely cosmetic. Yeah. Which. For a lot of people, it gets even more frustrating because there's so many characters and there's so many customizable parts to them. Like, so many. You can make your character look so unique and completely different from what they would normally look on their standard yeah. costume. But it takes forever to get exactly what you want. And on top of that, like, fatalities, brutalities. It's like arms. Arms did this too. Not cosmetic, but like, if you unlock the moves, or in this case, the arms for different fighters. Oh yeah, the arms. You yeah. had that whole grid you had to fill out through randomization. It's just like, yeah, why you, is you, it you random? You have to play the target practice. It's like, just yeah. give me currency. Like, what's wrong with just, especially for a game that, you know, like, it's a one and done kind of purchase. Like, why do they care? Like, yeah, I, I almost I mean, is it is retention time that important? Is that like a statistic that's being like looked at by these games where they're like, well, I mean, you already got our money. Like, why do you care how long I play it for? Just give me what I want. It, it's it's, it's, really it's, it's weird because it depends on the game. Like I almost for more, I don't necessarily approve. I agree. I think if they randomize, at least randomize within the character, so you can still unlock things for the person you play as. But like for arms, for Mortal Kombat, even to some extent for Mario Kart, not so much for Mario Kart. But there's the idea of like, oh, they want a competitive scene. They want this thing to have a long life. They want this thing to become an evergreen in a way. They want to live on. But so how do you like- get people to keep playing and get hooked? The stupid loot box gambling mentality, just without real money. Because you'll still get the retention rate up. That's the thing. Yeah, a lot of people really will do it. And some people like the... Co- I don't mind if cosmetics are behind those, as long as it's pointed towards the character I care about. Yeah. The problem is they're not doing that. Yeah, it was just annoying, like, going from Mario Kart 8 to 8 Deluxe. Yeah. Like, I already knew exactly what car I wanted because I had you know, pretty much mastered that game already. Yeah. But it's like, oh, no, I have to wait until I unlock it. I'm going to have to settle it's for standard or whatever. Yeah. Like, um, it's it's definitely... You know, it, I almost... If you want to play... So the worst version of this I feel would have to be Smash Wii U when they had custom moves and even though like they never really hit it off with mm-hmm. the custom moves I still like to mess with them especially if I wanted to mess with Bowser's but it's like oh the naturally because play- that's your state yeah. it's just constant state of Bowser so like do I get them by playing classic mode as Bowser it's like no it doesn't matter who you play as if you play as Bowser you might unlock DK's whirlwind punch which it's- is a thing 
and yeah God, it's so. just um i was trying to say something you know what i think it, it tinfoil hats on everyone here's my theory they're doing this so it normalizes the practice when they charge you for money in other games they publish it's not weird it's a mind game in a mind game that's my theory I honestly like there think about it. if you're a publisher, if you're EA, if you're Activision, if you're whoever and you go, "Hey, we want to do this monetization scheme with microtransactions where people buy things through loot boxes." How do we normalize that? Cuz if they came imagine if it was 1999, right? And you're playing Crazy Taxi for the first time on your new Dreamcast. And then they're like, "Hey, or sorry, they're like, "Hey, hey, hey, do you want to unlock uh, apparently Fat Albert is uh is the crazy taxi voice now but do you unlock a new car well if you give us a dollar we'll give you maybe a new car maybe the same car maybe a fun hat for bd joe wouldn't that be great and you'd be like what what is this unlock system but by kind of slowly easing us in over how many years now if they're like hey you know that thing you did before that was free well because this game is like a game as service we're gonna have to charge for it but we'll give you more content down the road in return you're like, oh, well, this is the thing I did before. It's just now do this new mechanism. Okay. So it normalizes it. Now, did every company intentionally do this? I seriously doubt it. Did some of them do it? Maybe. Possibly. Probably. I don't know. But it's, it's just throwing it out there. Just think, guys. Think. Think about the grassy. This is the grassy knoll of monetization schemes. That's all I'm saying. This is the second shooter. Just, just think about it. Think monetization it. doesn't melt steel beams. That's all I'm saying. That doesn't even make sense grammatically or structurally in any capacity. But no, it's just like uh, I wouldn't be surprised. But let 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 before we go deeper down this rabbit hole of my crazy theories, I'm starting to sound like a weird YouTube video that should probably be banned from the service. But before we go deeper down that rabbit hole, you did mention Sonic uh, Racing, Team Sonic Racing. Let's let's lift up spirits a bit. How is it? We, I know we normally do it with what we're playing, but you're already brought up. So how is it? Is it good? So they kept. With the exception of losing, you know, the transformation. Yeah. Which was definitely... And the All-Stars. Yeah, and the All-Stars, which I feel were two really big, huge things to lose. They had so much... They add so much personality and uniqueness, honestly. Yeah. But the addition of the team mechanics, like, now that we had more time to play, besides just the E3 impressions a long time ago, man, they're just so fun and so good and so unique. Like, once again, like, they kept the overall driving mechanics the same, which Mm -hmm. I already felt were... It's a lot more interesting than Mario Karts because, for one thing, like you could change your boost mid drift. I mean, you could change your drift mid drift just by really <laughs> change so, your drift. Mid- oh, continue. Yeah, so, sense. so if you're like drifting in one direction and then you have like a sneaky turn in Mario Kart, you're usually forced to let go of the let go of the drift oh, and immediately start to drift again. You can switch again. the direction while drifting. Yeah, you can switch gotcha. the direction while drifting. Yeah, you have to quickly let go of your drift and press it again. But in Mario Kart, that would give you a boost, and in some stages. If you do that, pretty much you're forced to not really drift or just break really hard in Mario Kart. Right. Because you're building a drift for so long, you're going to get a boost, and you're forced into that boost. But in this one, you still build up a boost, but you're not forced into it until you're ready to do it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like the team, like, I don't know, it's just really cool. So essentially, um, you're broken up into groups of three, and I've only really played with computers, and there is a no-team version, but I'll get to that in a little bit. And the idea is just to overall place better than the other team. So even if you have everyone in second, third, fourth, if you that would still be that would still win you the game because the other people would have first, fourth, fifth, sixth. Right. 
which is how yeah, I won my race at E3 when I demoed it because I did not get first, but I still won. <laughs> and I don't know, I just keep saying, even if you're in first place, so besides like the items just being way more balanced than Mario Kart's, like their blue show equivalent in this one, it's kind of like the beat in the other one where it doesn't just straight up like nail first place. Mm-hmm. It just makes a bunch of like rock pillars come out of the ground and you have to dodge them. So it kind of makes like a little oh, obstacle so, course. So you have a chance. Be. Yeah. You're saying he has a chance. You're saying you have a chance. Yeah. And um, so as you're racing, um, whoever in your team is the furthest ahead will leave a yellow streak that any one of your teammates drives over will get an automatic speed boost. It's like we're driving on a conveyor belt. So that means no matter what, and that streak is always there. It's not like it's only like if you're within like 10 feet of your It's like a slipstream that you're... Yeah, it's just a constant slipstream. Yeah. So, and then as soon as you pass, so if you're on that slipstream, you're eventually going to catch up to your the partner that's leaving it behind. Uh-huh. And if you, and let's say, let's say the whoever's the furthest ahead of your team is way far ahead and the two stragglers are near each other. If they're both on that slipstream, if one of them gets close to the other one, you could get like a slip shot yeah, like a like a a like, slingshot. There we go. Uh, you can slingshot okay. the other one ahead of the other one, and then that one can slingshot the other one ahead of. The, pretty much, you're gonna go in front of the other one. You're gonna. So you're shaking baking from from Taudig and Knights. Literally, exactly that. Interesting. You're just shaking baking the whole time until you catch up to whoever's in first place, and then you shake and bake them. And then, I wish the back of the box like with real shake and bake <laughs> action. <laughs> so then you know, using the slingshot, you pass them, and yeah. then now you're creating the slipstream, and then. Using that system, they pass you, and then you can, you kind of use that to just get a bunch of boost. So, and on top of that, like every time you, um, you drift near and like an enemy opponent, you don't hit them, you get like some more bonus boost. Like pretty much doing sli- doing slingshots, um, sharing items, which you can do in this game. Like let's say I'm in first place, and like luckily there are no you can't get rings in the item box. Like you could get coins in Mario Kart, um. You know, you could just pass the item to your opponent just by pressing, you know, the item pass button. I was going to say circle, but the Switch doesn't have a circle. I guess it'd be a. Spoiler, he played it on PS4, you guys. I guess it'd be A. Um, yeah, it'd be A. Um, yeah, you could pass it to your any of your teammates. And so let's say I get a rocket, which I guess is the equivalent of a blue shell. Oh, no, a green shell. Yeah. If, you pa- if I pass it to any of my teammates, it'll turn into three rockets. So it almost... you. Whoever you pass it to, like, benefits. You just get, like, a better version of it. It's, like, getting upgraded in DD Kong Racing. Right. And in turn, they could pass that item back to you, so then you have an even more powerful version. Oh, so it's almost like you're cool. upgrading items within your own team. Yeah. And every time you pass items, you build up more, like, team... You build up a team meter. All these actually just build up a team meter that, once filled up all the way, you pretty much activate the star power. Like, you know, like the star in Mario... The yeah. Starman in Mario. Yeah. You go really fast, and, you know, you just, like go ahead of the pack and everyone gets that same effect no matter where they are on the track oh okay so if someone's really straggling you can really help them out so in first place you're constantly just trying to pass items to them you're trying to make your slipstream like trying to pick a path that makes it easier for them to get ahead of you so it actually gives you something to do when you're in first place yeah I just say that it sounds like it addresses the biggest problem with Mario Kart which is if you're very good at your race you're just kind of cruising yeah, and around gets, solo yeah and it gets very uneventful like I've yeah. been in first place so many so far ahead in first place that blue shells literally don't do anything like I'll still yeah. end up in first place I once got Blue Shell like three times in one race and I still got first place right right but and unfortunately like this game if you play without teams and you're just like a free for all of 12 racers mm-hmm. like it does lose a ton because the tracks 
they're also a little they're also a lot wider than Mario Karts for the most part because the idea that you're like constantly like shifting places within right, your team. Right, so you need some horizontal space. Yeah, it's to different do that. than with the team aspect in mind. So without it, once you get to first place, it's like, okay, I guess I'm just doing time trial at this point. Right. So you definitely, the game definitely shines in multiplayer. I mean, with the team mechanic, and thankfully the team mechanic is so fun that I feel it, it almost makes up for the transformation. The transformation was just too fun and too unique. Too unique. But this is also, I would say, just as unique, but it's just not as fun as driving a plane or a boat and going between them. Right, right. But it's still just really cool and just been really enjoying it. And not to mention, I mean, like I mentioned, like even though it's behind a gotcha, I do love that you could further customize your cars to Mm -hmm. make them drive, make them handle a little more the way you would like to, while still keeping the base shape of the car. They didn't go like, oh, Sonic has like a bajillion different cars to pick from. You just have that Sonic car. Right. But you can also change the color of any of the vehicles. They have a bunch of like preset like palettes you can pick, but from within that palette, you can make the car any color. So you can essentially make it any color because there's like a bunch of different palettes you could pick from. Like there's at least over 20 and mm-hmm. each palette has four different colors. And like I made my Eggman's vehicle like orange and red just because I like orange. And on top of that, you could also change like, oh, do you want it to look like brushed metal, matte metal? shiny metal like i don't know there's so That's many cool. modifiers that it's almost yeah. kind of ridiculous i can't even tell the difference between some of them but <laughs> i would just have to take their word for it right right and there aren't too many characters like they're broken up into groups so you have like sonic tails and knuckles that's like one team but so can you you can mix, mix them out okay, yeah you, you can, can mix yeah you, you can mix them out that doesn't matter except when you're playing the adventure mode like if i pick amy my teammates will be big the cat and oma chow which is just the robot chow with three other chows in car oh oh i see okay yeah Yeah. i'd think about that for a second yeah and then you have um part of the weirdest team you think they'd actually have team chaotic which is vector charmy and espio the chameleon the bee and the alligator also known as the true heroes of sonic heroes aren't they in sonic heroes yeah they are yeah so you give me a look i'm like did i get that oh (laughs) but instead of giving you like those three characters that are you know you always see them as three like they're always together just always together always you get Vector, Silver, and Blaze. I guess it's like they just. By the way, you sound like you're describing like art assets at graphic design studio or something. I don't know, (laughs) but yeah, Yeah. you just we need the Vector, and can we get Silver and Blaze here? (laughs) You get the Alligator. You get the Silver Hedgehog from the game no one likes to speak of. Yes, and you get Blaze the Cat from the from the DS one. Yeah, from the DS game. Which is, like, was I mean, it DS or Game Boy Advance? It might have been Game Boy. It might no, have been Sonic Advance. You're right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, those, I mean, Blaze is cool, and I mean, I guess it's the way that they could stick in more Sonic characters from different games. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's fine. I mean, and then you also have Eggman, Shadow, and Metal Sonic. That one makes more sense. Yeah. That one makes more sense. And I mean, just visually, like the game looks really, really good. Like, the attention to detail, in, like every stage. Oh, they're just way more visually appealing than a lot of the Mario stages. But the only thing I'll give that Mario has over it is the variety of locales. Mm. Because of, I guess, like how much effort they put into every single stage, they reuse the themes three times. So there are essentially like four, no, there's like five different themes. And each theme has three different stages within that. Right. So you have like the seashore theme and it has like, three different levels based on that seashore theme then you have the casino theme and that's three different stages on that casino theme but it's not like they're 
completely identical either. Like they each have like their own unique twist to them. Like there's um. But there's similar assets being used. Yeah. It sounds like yeah. Yeah, like the music. The music actually changes between them, which is really cool. But it's actually more reminiscent as if like different zones. Like when you're playing a Sonic game, you start in zone one, you go through level. I was just about to ask you, are they mirroring the zone? Yeah, and then zone two, like introduce something new. So. If anything, I think that was actually intentional. Cause I'm there's sure one... it was. It sounds supersonic. Yeah, because there's one, like, the Planet Wisp, where you start, like, in that beginning area where, like, you're barely entering the factory, and then the second stage, there's, like, a bunch of buzzsaws, and then the third uh-huh. stage, there's, like, a giant, like, mega-sized Wisp. It almost looks like something that would be part of, like, the final cup. Right. Like, it just looks very grand. And then there's, like, another stage where... Um, like you're going through like the marketplace through the city and then there's another section of it where it's like now nighttime and you're going through like the sewers and I don't know it's really cool and honestly the I don't know besides the music just being great oh my god I lost my train of thought there was something I really wanted to say but I have a question for you uh huh you said it sounds like the it's like a very nicely made rendered game visually I watched a video of the PS4 version and the Switch version side by side. They don't seem that different. No, oh, yeah, it's like I briefly mentioned earlier. They're oh yeah, you did touch on this. I'm like, I can tell there aren't really any differences, so you're good going either way. So the loading speed on the PS4 one are overall faster, but there are cause... two. I was reading up on this a little unintentionally. I just sort of stumbled across it. So the the Switch version doesn't come with the intro movie because they couldn't fit it on the cartridge and they don't plan to patch it. I'm huh. not kidding. Um, but on the other hand, it's portable, so there's a trade off that like. If you don't care about an intro movie, you get portability. But there is actually, um, I was reading on Go Nintendo that there's apparently Sega for the Switch version didn't build in. And you always bring this up because you're talking about your experience with the PS4 version. So I feel like just since I saw this story, I might as well put it out there for anyone thinking about getting the Switch version. Um, Sega didn't build any of its own friend matchmaking into the game. It falls back on what the system offers. So PS4 does Sony's thing, Xbox does Microsoft's thing, Switch does nothing because there is not a thing and what that means Ooh, that's is unfortunate cause... yeah so here's how apparently according to oh i ran go nintendo again i haven't played it so secondhand information but apparently here's how you make a match with a friend luck you have to just somehow be in the same lobby at the right time and not only that but because you have the three different teams you have to be in the same team at the right time if you want to play together or the wrong one and it's randomized so there's no real way to know so basically you not only have like the odds of getting in the same lobby but also the odds of like a third of those odds to be able to get in one of the three teams. So something to keep in mind with the Switch version, if you plan playing along online with friends, maybe not the best idea. If you are really into the idea of playing it anywhere, regardless of friends, maybe you don't have friends, then I think the Switch version might be the best in some regards. Yeah. But I just want to throw that out there because I know you didn't have that chance to see that. But I, yeah. But overall, (laughs) I mean, if you feel like you've had your fill of Mario Kart already or you're looking for something else, I feel like definitely... It's like the next step for it. Yeah. Or you could also just get Mario Kart. If or you're... have you heard about this little game called Mario Kart Tour? Oh boy. <laughs> but I don't know, it's just really fun and the skill, the yeah, the difficulty on it is I would say overall it's it's a little it's definitely tougher than Mario Kart in general. Mm-hmm. Like even doing like a boost in the beginning is a lot stricter. Like you don't just hold like the A button after a certain period. You have to like press you have to accelerate which you accelerate with the shoulder button in this one like other racers Mario Kart's like the only one that, that has a face button still yeah yeah like this one you have to like time it just rightly as you go three, two, one, mm-hmm. and then you get the boost but I mean there's like stuff like that and like same thing with like doing tricks you don't just like press a button on every single jump and you get a boost for this one you 
flick the analog stick. Uh, I mean, you can flick it as much as you want, but you only benefit at most from three flips from it. And if you land it, you get a boost. So if you try to get too greedy or you think like, oh, maybe I could squeeze in one more and you don't land the trick correctly, yeah. you end up getting slowed down and you lose your rings, which... So this is the gamer's kart racer and Mario Kart's the everyone yeah, kart Yeah, pretty much racer, if you lose, basically. you definitely do feel like, yep, this was on yeah. me. It's not like Mario Kart where like, well, that's Mario Kart. And that's your biggest pet peeve with Mario Kart, right? Is you don't like the randomization and the fact that it's out of your hands I mean, I've grown to accept it, but yeah, that was kind of like the, like, yeah. oh, this skill, I have no way to use it. <laughs> yeah. So you just kind of have to suck it up and just, all right, I'm just going to play for fun. See what happens. Let the yeah. game decide if I win this time. It's Mario Party on wheels Yeah, <laughs> in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, Sonic. You might have honestly. You might have kind of sold me on Sonic. Like it sounds really fun. And it's really. And I think it's only thirty nine ninety nine. Really? I want to say it is because everywhere I've looked, it's always thirty nine ninety nine. Interesting. Which makes it like if I was like, what? I'm almost kind of tempted to get it on Switch so that I could potentially play with other people. But now that I heard about that, it's like okay, I guess I'll just get my PS4. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah, I might actually get it. I'm, I think it's definitely well it worth it. Really good. I mean, it looks really nice. The music's great. The visuals are great. Mm-hmm. Everything is just great. really fun and great about it. It's just different. Yeah. There's definitely, yeah, literally no other racer like it. Like the closest thing to a team racer is like Mark Hart Double Dash. But this is a this is very whole different. different. This than is that. something that almost feels like it shouldn't work because I feel like when it got announced, I was like, oh, this is not what I right. expected or wanted, especially after Transformed. That ended up being really, really fun. Yeah. And now. Yeah, and even when you played at E3, you're like, yeah, it, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, like, once you really sit down with it, it's yeah, it's really great, really well designed. Cool. They leave it to Sumo to make. Yeah, they're very good at this stuff. I mean, they're not like two for two for like racing games that have like better than the core Mario Kart games. Right. It's because they're just more engaging, I guess. I mean, Mario Kart, like, as fun as it is and as like. And you get, oh, I finally, yeah, I remember what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Because I talked about Mario Kart. Like, Mario Kart overall, like, doesn't really change much. Like, it's still the exact same. Even, like, the anti-gravity mechanics, I personally felt like it didn't really change anything. It didn't. It, ju- <laughs> it just gave, quote-unquote, like, Nintendo an excuse to make crazier-looking levels. Yeah. But that's, like, them giving, like, felt like they, I felt it weird that they helped, that they had to give us a reason why to justify those levels, like, the crazy design. When Listen, when you're grounded in as much realism as Mario Kart, we have a giant turtle racing know, a right? dinosaur versus a man that is um, wears a mushroom for or has a mushroom for a head. Clearly, you need to set the guidelines of what gravity is. Like Mario Kart Racing, the first one, Racing Transformed, and this one have plenty of levels where you go upside down, loop like crazy, like anti, like anything. Yeah. There are tracks on here that would tend to have the, the anti gravity mode activated on at all times. Yeah, but it never acknowledges. It's just like. It's like, oh, cool, now I'm upside down. It's just, they embrace, like, the crazy, wacky level design from the very beginning. It never, they the never anti- held themselves to that. To be honest, the anti- like, like, gra- the, like, there's literally, like, a part in some of, like, the early level where you're literally driving through around, like, an entire tunnel from the inside. Mm. Like, and it's funny, because, like, even though they have, like, this anti-gravity mode in Mario Kart, I felt like some of the tracks never got as crazy as they could have been. Definitely but, not. But they do in the Sonic racing games, which is almost kind of mind-blowing to me. To be honest... The anti-grab thing, to me at least, always felt like Nintendo going, oh, we did gliders, and we did underwater, what's next? Well, no gravity? How'd that work? <laughs> what if the same. <laughs> it felt like... like it, was, it was definitely them just looking for another yeah, and, transformation, and whenever, the, like subtle transformation and, of the and vehicle. I always love like when Mark Chris 7 got out there, like, oh, look, we're going in the water, we're going in the air. But it's like, not really. It's like, now the driving it just feels I'll, a little looser. Now I'll be the, honest. The now the air, gliding is just... 
falling like you're kind of I aiming. think the glide then, is a bigger a bigger ad than we're giving it credit for it does no, no, sort no, of no, shake no. it up the underwater was no, no, no. as worse oh, as no, no. I mean no, it definitely does yeah I'm not saying like I'm not but it's not as, it's no, not as no, but I mean, so, far my, as my, my, point, my point was just like that year that that was announced yeah. we also got Sonic Racing Transformed yeah and then I was like, whoa, like they actually just full on went they for did it. it. Yeah. And it worked out so, so well. Right. And right. I mean, like on a little like side benefit, like it got me curious about like other franchises because I was like, oh, who which, is this character? Like, oh, I kind of like playing as them. And then I ended up looking them up. And which Team Sonic Racing does not because they couldn't even put I.I. in it or a crazy taxi driver or, yeah. or, or anything. But on that note, they did. They are able to give like more love to the Sonic franchise in general, and there were a bunch of little nods, a bunch of like levels that. Oh, that's cool. Since I played enough like Sonic games, that I'm like, oh, cool! Like this is from that, this is from that. Yeah. And, no, it's cool seeing like some Sonic characters that wouldn't normally. I mean, like I love that they have the Oma Chow character. Like pretty much you're playing at every Chow version. Right. And when you get the Star Boost, um, even though they don't have like any special, like, you know, like in Mark Double that you yeah. get the Chain Chomp or whatever. Yeah. 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 Like their themes pretty much play, and the when the Chows are playing, you pretty much get like a remix version of the Chow Garden theme in Sonic Adventure. Oh, okay, that's kind of so, like little stuff yeah. like that. I mean, yeah. it's just always neat. Good fan service. Yeah. So, um, unless you have any other thoughts about Sonic, which I'd be amazed if you do, because that's a lot of thoughts about Sonic. It sounds great though. But um, before yeah. we go further into what we've been playing, I did want to take one quick news detour, real quick, because we talked a lot about specific games, um, but not so much about like the industry side. And there's been some interesting happenings, namely the April MPD numbers came out, um, which in many ways, you know, they were good for Nintendo, uh, except in one way, which we'll get to. Uh, first, though, let's talk about the positives. So the big story is on the hardware side. Switch is, again, number one in the United States, continuing to kill it at the top spot, um, both in terms of units sold and revenue generated. Um, this actually means it is so far the top-selling system of 2019. Since the start of the year, it has sold more than any other console and it bucks an overall hardware trend in the industry where system sales are down 29% year over year except the Switch which is up so um, what's particularly interesting about that to me is it's doing this without really having any killer apps released this year like sure there's new Super Marvel's U Deluxe in January and we got uh, Yoshi's Crafted World in March but there hasn't been a AAA release to really like prop up these Switch sales yeah it keeps going and like don't get me wrong those two games sold well i mean yoshi's number 10 on the overall software chart for april mario u deluxe is number 15 so they're there but did i think yoshi? what did you buy i it? did not get yoshi interestingly wow. the demo kind of was just like i had high hopes for the flipping <laughs> mechanic initial release i mean initial announcement i was excited and then the it's more the, gameplay i saw this which is like a downward spot, the flipping yeah. mechanic was a lie it was just they flip i mean yeah they flipped you the just stage. Go backwards. <laughs> i thought it was gonna be like super paper mario's flipping it was like no. i mean it was very well designed i love the little nods the fact that you're like in a play place and it's backwards not and you see all this stuff, but yeah not i agree. as amazingly as amazing as it looks visually. Oh, yeah, it looks great. But yeah, and it's doing well. Like, number 10, second month on the chart. That's that's good. But it's interesting that, like, Yoshi and Mario, without any AAA new releases, are able to help keep the Switch up. And I think they're able to do it because it's not just them. It's those AAA evergreen ones. They just keep pushing the system. They've been doing it since the holidays. I mean, Smash Bros., number 5 on the chart. It came out in December, as we established earlier. Mario Kart 8, number 12 on the chart. Zelda Breath of the Wild. It has been charting... For two straight years, minus I think a single month somewhere in the middle, 
It's two. It's two year anniversary was last month. It's still charting. It's still in the top twenty. It was number uh-huh. seventeen. That's crazy. So people are buying switches and buying these older games, and then you know, maybe a smattering of newer ones. But you don't necessarily need AAA releases. Is kind of the point. And I can only imagine that like when the big new heavy hitters launch, when we get Mario Maker two next month, when we get you know the one two punch of Fire Emblem and Marvel Ultimate Alliance three in July. And, you know, the real biggies in the fall, like Pokemon Sword and Shield and presumably Animal Crossing and Luigi's Mansion and who knows what. Like, if the Switch is doing this well with old AAA titles where Nintendo didn't need to really release any new ones in 2019 yet, imagine what those hardware sales are going to look like once those games hit. It's going to be crazy. Like, it's it's presumably at least. So it's, it's really interesting to see. And it's not just a U.S.-only phenomenon either because in Japan, the Switch has now officially outsold the lifetime sales of the PS4. And the PS4 wow. had like a head start of about three years, I think, or something like That's that. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's half the price, but yeah. It's half the price. Well, not anymore. Oh, that's right. It's not half the price, but Japan leans very heavily on portables over home consoles. So that's why. Makes but sense. Still, but still like, that's crazy. And, that's true. And, this fast, that is pretty amazing. Yeah, like it's, 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 it's over 8 million or something over there, if I remember correctly. And then, um, you know, on the software side, so that's the hardware side. So Switch was killing it on the hardware side. And then on the software side... It was really, it was really Mortal Kombat's time to shine. Like it was, Mortal Kombat was having a good, a good, good, good month. It was number one across. Actually, you know what? Hold on. When I say Mortal Kombat, what I actually mean is, yeah. Anyway, it had a very good month. <laughs> um, basically, it was number one across the board. Every system. Wow. Number one game. Number one across. Number one on the overall chart too. But it, uh, what's significant for us as a Nintendo podcast is that was the number one game on the Switch only chart and this is the first time since Mario and Rabbids uh, in September of 2017 it's the first time since we saw a third party game since then be number one on the chart which is kind of wild if you think about it and, and, and it's because it was number one on Switch and you know being number one on PS4 and Xbox One as well that Mortal Kombat has the unique distinction of being the first game since Guitar Hero 3 in October 2007 to be a number one seller on each system in the same month at once. That's a that that's over that's like 9 years since it, they've that's last a lot posted of hype like for that. that game. Yeah, and then on top of that, that that's that by the way is courtesy of MPD's Matt uh, Piscatella who also pointed out Mortal Kombat 11 is the first M-rated game to be number one on Nintendo platform since Resident Evil 4 on the GameCube in February 2005. So it has been a very long time coming. And I don't entirely know why. <laughs> like, Mortal Kombat is having a moment right now for sure because, like, along with the game, Warner Brothers, they just confirmed they're doing a new movie coming in March 2021. 20, uh, and it's just there, there is a lot, but I'm not sure what goodwill Mortal Kombat out of nowhere suddenly gained with Nintendo fans as number one except just the hype of everything. But it, it's cool to see. And, like, the movie, I don't know. The, the movie might be good. It's, um, it's being directed by James Wan, he knows gore and horror very well because he did the first Saw. He did both the Conjuring movies. He did uh, both the Insidious movies. And he knows blockbusters as well because he did Aquaman. So, I mean, do you have hope for this thing? Like, do you, could this actually be, in a Detective Pikachu sort of way, like a turning point where it's actually no. good, at least compared to the well, 1990s one? really weird because yeah. like, what's it going to be, like an action movie or a horror movie, a know. horror action movie? I have no idea. Like, I don't know what to expect. Like, uh... I feel like it can only really work as like a like a slasher B flick. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's. I mean, because if you think about Aquaman, it's kind of like a B tier superhero movie in terms of like like it's 
can't be. It's cheesy at times. So Juan, if he applied that logic to a horror flick with more combat, could be kind of cool. I think whatever it does, like I, I could end up being wrong, but I can't imagine it ending up worse than whatever's going on with Sonic at this point. Because like they announced like on a Friday that they just delayed the movie till February fourteenth, twenty twenty, to finish up the redesign. Which, on the one hand, like I'm glad they're not doing crunch and everything, but I, I kind of think about like, what if the redesign actually makes the movie half decent? Like the whole. If it does, I mean, like, on one hand, it's like, cool, honestly, it's the, a half-decent movie. On the other hand, it's like, but part of the charm was it was so bad. And like, honestly, the, as bad as Sonic looked, the movie itself, like, I mean, it obviously didn't look amazing, but it didn't look like it was going to be a terrible film. It just looked, at, like, aggressively average. You know, I, yeah. So, like, I mean, I'm sure, like, I would have just enjoyed the film in general, but, mm-hmm. so Sonic potentially looking like Sonic would make me at least, like, like the movie. I Kind of like the Pikachu, like, it could have been a terrible, terrible movie, but I would have still loved the heck out of it because of the Pokemon. But you finally saw it, right? Yeah, I did, I did. What did you think of it? Well, luckily, it's not a terrible, terrible movie, so I love the heck out of it. Because it's Pokemon. Yeah. Good review. Anyway, no, but seriously, like, any takeaways, any thoughts? That's why we're talking about movies. Um... Or do you want time to think and we can add to the end of the show? Give me a few moments. To All right, I'll go back to the MPD. Well, what I was going to say, actually, before the MPD is the thing I realized about Sonic is um, it all makes sense if you look at the movie as being a send-up to the early 90s where Sonic comes from. I didn't think of it this way. But you got the throwback Jim Carrey humor. you got the Gangster's Paradise song choice. You've obviously got Sonic. And all of that just feels like they're like, okay, Sonic, early 90s. What is the early 90s in movies? What is the early 90s in humor? What is the early 90s in Jim Carrey? And they just kind of merge it together, and then here we go. It's early 90s, the movie, featuring a weird-looking hedgehog. So yeah, if they clean them up, maybe it's going to be an okay movie. Who knows? But um, yeah, the thing that the thing about Mortal Kombat that's kind of interesting, going back to the MPD, is it doing well on Switch is just another sign that if you bring a game to Switch the audience will come. If you bring a good quality release to Switch, there will be an audience for it. We saw a similar thing happen with Diablo, uh, and Blizzard has since gone on record saying they're, quote, super happy with how it performed, and they even said that it would be not ridiculous to expect more support from them. So, it sounds like Blizzard's cooking up some stuff because Diablo 3 did so well. And again, that was also a port that, it was an older port too, but it was given proper attention and care, and the sales numbers showed that, you know, they were rewarded for that. And I'm kind of curious, like, what is the line between what makes it, like, what is the line where people will be like, yes, I'll accept that port, or no, I will not. Because, like, compare that with Capcom's quick and dirty ports they keep doing. You know, stuff like the Resident Evils and Devil May Cry. Like, we touched last episode on the idea of how a good port, you need to offer some sort of new value or some sort of better value. And I would argue Capcom's not. I mean, we said before, Resident Evil 4 doesn't even support motion controls on, on Switch, even though the Wii version does, and the Wii version's old. And then, like, turns out, Devil May Cry. We spent the whole thing last episode talking about, like, what is the port? What is it based on? Turns out, it is, in fact, pulling from the HD Trilogy collection. But they're selling it separately. No 2, no 3, just the original. And their excuse is it's a test to see... They're not saying this for BAM, but between, reading between the lines, it's a test to see if Nintendo fans want Devil May Cry. What they actually said is, quote, Capcom is focused on bringing the first original Devil May Cry experience to Switch, or to Nintendo fans for the first time. So, yeah, it's them going, we don't know if they're going to want this. So let's just rip them off. See, they don't want it. Never bring the other two. Even if we did all three, they probably would want it because they don't want to invest the resources up front. That's how I'm interpreting that. I it's mean, very much the stupid test that every fair, company is I mean, is it going to cost like 10 bucks? 
They haven't said the price potentially, but no. If it's twenty dollars or more, it's a ripoff because you get trilogy on the other systems. I know that's a, yeah. Even if it's ten bucks, it should technically be nine or eight because it's a third of the game that costs twenty elsewhere. So it's a weird, yeah, it's a weird thing. They've been but, offer a lot of other stuff with it or something. We'll find out. They haven't even said the price because I think they know they're in a weird situation. But and the thing is, like, if you make a solid product, Switch owners are happy to buy it. Again, Mortal Kombat 11 proves that strong performance because they made a good port. So yeah. We'll see. I think it's the fact they tried and they succeeded in just making the game extremely playable just says a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that was my big takeaway when I played it at PAX East. I was just like, it's totally yeah, it's like fine. You, yeah. You, you, you don't, you, you, you don't sacrifice any of the important stuff. I mean, like, sure, like, a lot of the backgrounds, like, don't move as much as they do on the PS4. Yeah. And, and obviously the graphics and, are and like, down. And I mean, I guess, general. like, since I've mainly, like, since I haven't exactly really played it, I've watched a ton of it, almost to the point where I could tell you pretty much, like, which characters are good and yeah. blah, 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 yeah. kind of stuff. But since I'm watching, I do, like, tend to pay attention to a lot of, like, you know, what else is going on. And there's, like, a cool stage where you literally see, like, these, um, pretty much people getting, like, killed and turned into these, like, robotic ninjas. And you see mm-hmm. the brains being put into them. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they're kind of, like, coming to life. And they're, like, kind of struggling because they're so trapped. And you see them getting taken to the back. On the Switch version, you get none of that. It's oh. just, like, lights off. Nothing is moving in the background except for, like, some tiny little mechanical arm. But when you're playing a fighting game... When you're actually playing, you don't you're really not paying attention yeah. You don't that. pay attention yeah. to anything in the background. Yeah, like that's probably why I enjoy like Street Fighter Four 3D Turbo Max Edition on the 3DS at launch. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, yeah, yeah. Once you're and when you're in the middle of a fight, it feels just as good as the PS3 version and whatnot. And also so. at the time, that was graphically crazy. Like, yeah, whoa, it's well, in 3D and it's on my Nintendo system that I'm playing. Like in 2011, that was cool. Yeah, yep. but you know, as as great as like the moral combat performance was unfortunately not every game on switch saw that same success uh in the april chart because you know how i said like it's good news for nintendo minus one thing well there's one thing in particular underperformed and it's it's honestly to me it's a bummer because it means that so much of its ingenuity is going unnoticed by the masses and i'm referring of course to the labo vr kit um it barely was able to make it onto the Switch only top 10 sales chart, let alone any of the overall ones. And that's particularly sad when you realize that every other game on that Switch only chart is also available digitally. So not only could it not outsell the others, it couldn't, it got outsold by only portions of the others, like only a chunk of the sales of the others, not even the full sales, just a piece of the sales because the chart only is physical. So, like, it couldn't do it with the Mario and Zelda tie-ins. It couldn't do it with the idea of, like, oh, VR, like, in a different light. Like, it could, it just couldn't do it. It didn't do well. And Nintendo always claims Labo's kind of slow burn of a product. They have the school programs. They have the summer camps in Japan. But even then, like... <laughs> really slow. slow. Super slow, guys. Like, if they sell one a, day, uh, one a, <laughs> a year, they'll be, like, sweet. No, but... Um, They're like, this is part of our plan. No, we but even, even I mean, that's, that is what they keep saying. But even then, like, I can't imagine they're too happy with this small of a performance of what could have been a marquee release. I mean, when the original Labo Variety Kit came out a year ago in April, it was number four on the overall chart. It was number one on the Switch chart. Being number 10 on only the Switch chart and not trying anywhere else, but having Mario and Zelda tie-ins and still doing that poorly, obviously that's a bad sign. So at this point, I'm just curious to see, like, what happens next. Like, how long will Nintendo stick it out? Could, like, could Labo VR even be a slow and steady seller? Like, is that possible? Because, like, I think, I still truly believe, and I said this when they announced it, and I said this when we talked about it when I reviewed it, but I do truly believe it caters to an interesting portion of the vr market that isn't currently cared to there is 
untapped potential there. And I think it's not just like a clever way to augment other games with side modes or features kind of like Amiibo used to do. Like the stuff in Zelda is eh, but I like the stuff in Mario Galaxy and that's cool. And I think those things are there. But I guess it's just like if it's not going to work, like if people aren't going to buy it, they're not going to keep going with those ideas and that's unfortunate. And it also sucks because there's so much potential in the software it comes with that I didn't even know was there when I was first talking about it a couple episodes ago. I just learned recently that every single toy in the VR plaza you know, those 64 we were messing with, can cool. be fully edited and changed in the VR garage as you see fit. All those little experiences are starter kits to make your own new experiences. I had no idea that was the case. And, like, it's really cool. Mm. It's really cool they do that. It deserves more love, and the game's just not selling. That's so pretty it's nice. Bummer, right? It's super cool, and it's just, like, no one cares, apparently. So I'm hoping it picks up Steve. Maybe during the summer there'll be some good word of mouth. I don't know, but as is... It was a great month for uh, the Switch as a system. It was a great month for Mortal Kombat. It was not... Or sorry, it was a great month for... But sadly, it was not a great month for Labo. And that is Jason's Sales Corner. So now we go back to what we're playing. Would you like to go first with Blazing Beaks or would you like me to go first with Box Boy and Box Girl? Uh, I'll go with Blazing Beaks because okay. I feel like... Because I was just talking for a while. <laughs> so well, I can... no. I mean, they're not as long. I mean, it's, okay. it's a pretty simple game. So... It's a twin stick game. I love the, the design of it just because it's, it's a. I know, like, I give pixel games like a lot of flack just because there's so many of them. You, you but, yes, but this we one, both do. But this one, I mean, to me, just, I mean, it's extremely biased, just like my impression of Pokemon that I'll give later. Right. But it has birds, so, I mean, I have. I For like, you, the bird's always the word. Yeah, exactly. But, 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 bird, bird. Bird. Yeah, so bird, there. Bird. So the game um split into two different modes. There's your campaign, and then where you fight bosses. There's like a little tiny story, and also or just your tournament mode, which is just like death matches with different with a couple different modes. It's a twin stick shooter. You aim with one stick, you move with the other, you shoot with one of the shoulder buttons, and with another shoulder button, you could you have a little dash, and. Depending on the mode you're playing, you could have an all spear mode where everyone has spears and you have that one spear so you have to keep picking it up and throwing it again. Or you can have a mode where every time you get a kill, you change to a different weapon. Or everyone starts with different randomized weapons or everyone starts with the same weapon. There's a bunch of different ways to customize it. You can set how many wins you have to do to complete you know, the little mini tournament. And besides the campaign, just having like, I guess... Every couple levels, you have a different boss. Like, you have, like, this giant frog. You have to, like, time your dodge so it can lick a, a stump so its tongue gets stuck. So that allows you to damage it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just a tough but simple, I guess, top-down twin-stick shooter right. with ducks. And I guess one of its other more main... Um, one, of more, uh, one of its other more unique mechanics is that as you're playing the, the campaign... Um, there are these artifacts that you could pick up that all give you a negative side effect, whether it's making you play with one less heart, making your shooting speed slower, or some, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the more you collect of these, you could turn these in. If you manage to survive with these, because they obviously make the game harder, um, you could trade these into a shop to get like really nice rewards. So you get rewarded for essentially handicapping yourself on top of always, on top of, on top of also just like upgrading your weapons or buying different ones and on the campaign if one of your teammates dies you have to wait until you get to the shop so that you can revive them but they do start with one heart so even though you revive them they could essentially immediately die the moment you leave the room and 
It was like for not, which happened to Jason. When we were yes, playing. it did. That's why I got real quiet because was, I was getting bad flashbacks. It's like PTSD of Blazing Beaks co-op. <laughs> well, I mean, if you like games like Binding of Isaac and I guess Enter the Gungeon, it's like somewhere in between that as far as speed. So, I mean, I'd recommend it because it's, it's, it's another fun, like, quick multiplayer game that isn't platformery. That was kind of like what made drew you to, yeah, what, 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 drew, what drew me to it, what drew me to it. Because a lot of the other ones that we were talking about that, I mean, besides being pixely, they were all ended up kind of being the same thing, like the the hat game. Like, we already just kind of had a bunch of those. And yeah. I didn't exactly have one like this. The closest right. one I would have, the closest one I have to it is the Asteroid one. And that one... Astro Duel. Astro Duel. Or whatever it's called. Yeah, Astro Duel. Yeah. But, yeah, this one is different enough to not that. And fun That's fact about it, um, it's on sale for only $10 on the eShop right now. Oh. Instead of 15 which is its regular price. Neat. Yeah. But yeah, see, I mean, quick and simple. I recommend it. I like it. Nice visuals. Yeah, I... Difficult. Uh, I also... Which is but, what I like. Obviously. Right, yeah. I also played a game that is... Or have a game that's very simple in concept um, and that is none other than Box Boy and Box Girl which frankly I'm just happy to see the series live on I mean they had the third one called Bye Bye Box Boy that was the final one on 3DS and I was like oh I guess that's the end of Box Boy but nope here here we are it's so back. it's not a remake? no it's it's like it kind of steps back a little like some of the crazy that you see in like Bye Bye Box Boy like they're doing some weird stuff and like really expanding the gameplay in different ways it kind of steps back from that and more is like what the core Box Boy experience is which, in general, the thing about Box Boy is it's a very, very simple concept with a very, very simple art style. But what Howe did so well with the series and really, like, what they did with Box Boy and Box Girl and what just their general MO is with the Kirby series, if you look at that, is they, they're good at taking the simple concept and execute and, like, just really executing on it well. Like, they can take the simplest idea and just do a really good job. And in this case, both in terms of gameplay and the charm of its, like, art style, they just did a really good job with Box Boy and Box Girl. And if you've never played a Box Boy before, quick, like, recap. Basically, you're a little square with legs. You're trying to reach a goal at the end of each level. Along the way, though, are these different obstacles. There are platforms. There are electric fields. There are switches, etc. And you overcome them by spawning boxes out of your body in one of four directions, you know, as, as we all do. And um, depending on the level you're allowed to generate a different number of boxes from your body and you use um, these boxes and the shapes you can form with them to solve puzzles to overcome each obstacle to reach the end. So again, really simple stuff on the surface. But what's impressive is we're now four games in on the series and even though they step back on some of the crazy ideas from Bye Bye Box Boy, Hal has somehow still not run out of ideas with this relatively simple mechanic. I mean, at one point you are digging into the ground with your boxes and they're like underground segments like it's 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 really impressive how much they keep coming up with stuff and each of the early worlds in box playing box girl do a really good job introducing a new mechanic so you have six stages per world it starts with a very basic implementation of it and then it ends once you reach stage six with a really much more elaborate one where you're kind of using the mechanic in some clever ways and as you go through the game obviously new mechanics are introduced world after world and before you know it you're now working with all these mechanics in tandem to solve these clever little puzzles that are all just about like this little box that walks to a door and again super simple but um what what's uh once you're in a level so like each level only requires you reaching the end goal to proceed so you can actually just go through the game by just be like okay i got to the door i'm done but like in past box boys you also can collect medals in the stage by being extra clever with your box spawning and those are scattered around stage as well as earn target medals at the end 
if you succeed in being a level with a minimum number of boxes. So there's three tiers, so to speak, and with each additional um, tier that you work your way down towards as you use fewer boxes, that's uh, more medals for you to unlock. And they don't tell you necessarily what the optimal uh, box count for the target medals three tiers are when the stage begins or as you play it, but as you go to select the stage, if you press Y, it will show you. What I found myself doing is um, not revealing it in the first run. Like I would only go back and check if I didn't meet all three minimum requirements to see like which one I missed or what I could do to sort of tighten things up, if you will. Um, which to me made playing the game more strategic. Uh, like you know, I try to scoot a box like to the very edge of a platform, and just so I don't have to make two boxes to fill the platform, can I make one little box and can I jump from there? Clever but if girl. you want, what? Clever girl. I know, thank you. I, I really work hard on it. But no, like if you want to play more casually, you don't have to worry about that. You can just go through a game and solve the puzzle like a normal person. Um, but the nice thing is if you do choose to play more strategically, um, you can just do it over. There's this handy feature where if you hit L and R at once, it'll just rewind you to before you started that part of the puzzle. And depending on the circumstance, like did you die, was the box used, that sort of thing, sometimes it will undo your total box count. Sometimes it will not. I've yet to figure out exactly what how, how it turns out. So if you really do want to go for all the target medals in your first run, if you want to be like the absolute minimalist you can be in your uh, boxing I guess you could say then you don't want to use the undo you really want to just figure it out the first go around so again even within like how you choose to approach each level there's so much freedom of how you go about doing it and the thing is you do you don't have to but you do want to get as many medals as possible because there are a lot of things to collect in box boy um and box girl sorry box girl didn't exclude you uh but yeah one of the metal types lets you unlock clothing and accessories um these are at random via capsule machine, so it's gotcha strikes again. But the other one, the other type of metal lets you unlock in-game music tracks, these kind of silly but in a good way little comic strips starring uh, QB and his now gal pal QC, as in Lucy, with a Q. Um, yeah, and you can unlock a, this balloon-popping minigame where you run around doing exactly what it implies. And there's also assist items you can buy with some of the metals that let you do in-game. Um, in the main puzzles, you can, for example, get a speed boost or... A jump boost or an extra box or invincibility it's just like a little stat boost so if you do as the levels get more difficult if you do need the help there are items you can do and then you can also spend a medal at any time in any puzzle if you click in on the control stick it'll give you a hint of how to solve that puzzle which is a really cool way to have like a hint system where it's just like right there at your fingertips at any time um, but really the fun unlocks are the outfits those are the ones I enjoy most you can unlock hats you can unlock facial features you can unlock clothing for QB and QC and they can mix and match them however you see fit. So some make sense, a lot don't. Sadly, uh, they didn't include amiibo support this time, so the fun of like the tie-ins from the amiibo that were in the last one are nowhere to be found here. But even without that, like the office just adds so much personality to a game that at first glance does look bland. It's just a box and some black and white with little color splashes. Um, which kind of actually brings me to, back to my point that I said at the start of all this. Like how is very good at executing a simple concept really well. And the graphics, while incredibly simple, there are so many little touches that really bring it to life. Like QB has all these different dances when he completes the stage. Uh, like parts of his outfits will move in kind of surprising ways as he moves around, which adds to his personality. Um, but even like even if you don't have the outfits, like even without that, the art style just looks so good on in HD on Switch now. Like it kind of made me realize how low res the 3DS screen actually is because it's like it's night and day. It's crazy how crisp it looks and. It's not just crisp, but there's now these like subtle background patterns on the stages. There's color accents, which seem like a minor thing, but actually add to the overall aesthetic way more than you'd expect. 
Um, and being on Switch, you now that brings other benefits. There's a co-op mode for the first time, um, hence the addition of QC. And even if you don't have anyone to play with, and I wish more games on Switch did this, as an only child, I wish more Switch games did this because I feel the plight of only children everywhere, you can play the entire co-op mode single player. How it works is because you're controlling people that spawn boxes, and the boxes are used to like be put places, it doesn't matter if there's one or two of you playing simultaneously or alternating back and forth or whatever. They built these levels to work with two QBS characters and then they're box spawning, but you don't have to actually be doing it in tandem. So they they let you do single player, you just press a button and it just switches between them. It's great. It's like a whole second mode. And then on top of that, there's a third mode where you can unlock this rectangle guy you play as, and that changes the mechanics entirely because now everything's rectangles instead of squares. So there's a lot of content in here is what I'm saying. And it's something like 270 levels in total. It's 15 bucks. I believe it's 15 wow. bucks. It's a really good value. And there's even like... Not even, I guess so. I guess not even like the gotcha mechanic could mess it up. No, it's not. I mean, it's just outfits. I know, yeah. It's strictly cosmetic, so it's fine. Yeah, but I think um, it's just really well done. Like, I don't really have any nitpicks or anything, honestly. Like, it's just really well done. Even little things like HD rumble, like when you spawn your box out of your body, it does like a very subtle little... That just like it's like oh yeah that that is what it would feel like if a box shot out of my left side that's correct <laughs> but uh, yeah it's it's just I'm quite happy with the game clearly I can't I literally can't think of any nitpicks or criticism I'm sure someone who has fully played through every box boy will find this a little bit of a step back in terms of the um, wildness of the creativity but it's still very creative it's just a little more restrained in the theme of sticking to traditional box boy but yeah I guess I guess I'll just leave it with this fun fact. Apparently, this whole thing's running in the Unity engine, which I was like, really? That, I didn't know Nintendo made games in the Unity engine, but... I think they'd have some proprietary something. I mean, they use Unreal for Yoshi, for Yoshi's Crafted World. But even Unity, Unreal. like, the Unreal... Yeah, it's Unreal that they did that, but well, they that's did... What I meant, yeah. yeah, I know, I know. I was playing off that. Um, but yeah, so that that's Box Boy and Box Girl. That's Blazing Beaks. That's Gotchas. That's Mario Maker. That's Mario Kart Tour. That's our episode, unless there's anything else you want to add. Yeah, so the Detective Pikachu. Oh movie. right, yeah. What do you think of Detective uh, Pikachu? I don't know. It's really hard just to give like an unbiased opinion about it, just because of like how much like Pokemon I mean to. Yeah, I mean like in general. I tried last episode. I I said I'm not biased. I think I might be a little biased. Like, I don't know. I think like within like the first like few minutes, like when like the movie starts and you see like. Oh wait, wait, wait! Hold on. Pause. Spoiler alert. That's right. Spoiler it's, it's alert. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. If you're listening past this moment. This is pretty much the end. Um, you well, one. Thanks for sticking around. But two, we're going to talk about. It. It's been two should weeks. Should we just do the, the, the outro and then? No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. Oh. I'll put it on the notes for the episode. We're good. I just need to say it. We put enough buffer. No, oh, yeah. I mean, like, pretty much like the movie starts with Mewtwo, the... and Mewtwo is one of like my he's well, definitely... hold the move. Oh yeah, it does. You're right. Yeah, and he's definitely like one of my top ten. Like, he's in my top ten favorite Pokemon, mm-hmm. which does a lot because you know how many there are. And, um, yeah, like, just, like, seeing him, like, animated and move, like, literally brought, like, a tear to my eye, just, like, seeing him. Wait, okay, so I know you were saying, we were talking about last episode, when, if you would cry at it, and when. So, the first scene. <laughs> Basically, I'm all, like, Wow, Damn. okay. It's, like, I didn't realize, um, like, just kind of seeing, like, these Pokemon realize, like, that would give me, like, such an, like, emotional, like, kick in the heart. Dude, I had the goofiest grin that whole like, for the same reason. Well, yeah, for me, it was more like, like, like I can't believe this is real. That, that, me too, but mine was like, oh my god. 
Dude, like the whole. Yeah, I mean, like I the trainers where they were like doing the fake out with him becoming a trainer at the beginning with the cue bone. Oh yeah. I was like, oh my god, like that. I literally, I was like, I should, I shouldn't be smiling so big. Like, I was I know, trying yeah. to restrain it, it. I could not. Pretty much, a lot of this is like, oh my god, like this is pretty much like the Pokemon where like, I've always wanted like to see and blah blah blah. Like, so- like I'm really happy that they didn't that they went like in a completely different direction with it. And I mean, just by not being a traditional trainer badges movie. Yeah. Because I don't know, they had a lot of. You could tell they had a lot of fun with it, but. Just, like, kind of ignoring, like, that stuff. I feel like if there had to be, like, kind of a low point or a downside to it, I feel like the the female lead kind of... No offense to Catherine, what's her name, oh, but yeah. she, was sure over, she was overacting almost, yeah, I which I say, think was on purpose. It's, it's, like, it's funny because, like, the movie obviously, like, isn't to be taken seriously. It kind of can't be, but I feel like she was on a different level of campy or... I noticed energy than everyone so else. So the one scene where that stuck she, out the most to me felt, is when she cornered Tim in like, the it, front in the foyer of his dad's apartment building. Pretty much her introduction. Oh yeah, yeah. When she was talking about like I am the news reporter. Blah blah blah. Yeah, like, but then by the time they went to um to the research facility, she was normal. And I was yeah. like, oh, it's like they purpose. It's like someone decided it was a good idea to be like, you're an intern at a news station, so you're gonna act like you're like this cool private eye like. Research honestly, it felt journalist. Like, and it's like uh. I mean, not, not that it wasn't necessarily like bad acting. It just felt like it, was it wasn't acting. appropriate for it. It felt like that kind of acting would be right at home at like a Nick TV show or like a Disney. That TV acting would have been right at home if it was animated. You know, you know like iCarly or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. Or if it was like like those over the top ones. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, she felt more like a cartoon character. Yeah. Oh man, and those dittos are just creepy. Dude, the di- so I said last episode, there's a twist. That when you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. But it's the best thing in the movie. It's the best twist. Like some twists are predictable. This one totally caught me off guard. The ditto. I did not see that. Yeah, coming. it was kind of like a double-ish like twist. It's like, like okay, this guy is clearly the bad guy. But which, then you're which like, which I sort of saw coming. Yeah, but and and he was. But yeah. then it's like, oh, we thought his son was, I guess, also evil. Which yeah. kind of felt like, like okay, this is like this is where it's gonna go because it's like predictable. Kid yeah, but then the ditto. But out then of like, nowhere. oh, he actually wasn't evil. He was the good guy. Never mind. I'm still on the ditto. No, yeah, the no, fact yeah, no, no. that the human had ditto eyes just. What uh, I, I will say, <laughs> I love that was... for some reason. Um, as soon as I saw like, I know they didn't the pink hair the... accent on the bottom of uh, on her. I, like I didn't know there was a ditto in the movie, but as soon as I saw that woman, I th- I for them I already knew that like, she was a ditto. Really, it totally surprised me because I thought I don't know. I think it was just like an intentional. Like I missed saw some pretty much. Um, well, it's weird when, when she first comes out. Like yeah. first they're like, oh, okay, typical Pokemon universe that people have weird color hair. But then I guess when I saw her in the elevator, she has like these weird, like plasticky sleeves on her hands. And I guess I didn't see her fingers because mm. I guess I saw a picture of her later where I guess they're fingerless like gloves. But I just thought that they were all pink. So I'm like, huh, why do her hands look like they're made of slime? Is she a ditto? I guess she's a ditto. I totally missed that. So I just she like, so I just, so, so I just figured like, okay, she must be a ditto and they're probably like experiments on her. And then, oh, that was the case. But it was still kind of, I didn't know the other dude. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know I the mean, ditto it, thing went that deep. I was like, "What?" I thought that she was um, a ditto, but I didn't know how to read. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think, dude, you get my point. Like, because I was saying last episode that like some of it, you're just like, "Oh, I guess that happens because it happens." Like the whole like you two can just haphazard or like just as he feels. This Pokemon's now this human. This human is now this Pokemon. Oh, yeah, that, that like a, that was a little that weird. Was definitely made just for the movie just oh for, totally no plot. but I mean they didn't even explain it in the movie they're like oh scientifically uh-huh. we figured out how to do it and then well, and then Mewtwo's like I can also just do it whenever yeah. so like it's cool yeah. it's like well just because they couldn't yeah. yeah they yeah it's like the movie's gotta end so yeah that was like the snap. most like rap yeah it was like it's they the know most... snap exactly 
without anyone dying. Yeah. But yeah, it it I'm glad you liked it. No, yeah, and honestly like like I'm gonna watch Godzilla in a few weeks or actually in a week. And I don't know, like every like I also like love like that's also like one of like my top favorite franchises ever. Like besides Ninja Turtles they also have like a good amount of Godzilla merch that right. we also collect. Yes you do. And I can I can vouch for him. And <laughs> Godzilla, I mean like I love the Toho stuff, like I love the campiness, the rubber like the the authenticity of so like, you must... having the guy in the suit, but also... Did did you love that the Godzilla walked the red carpet with a little blue bow tie? Oh, I missed that. So oh. they had a guy dressed in this kind of fat Godzilla suit walk the red carpet at the Godzilla premiere and he had a little blue bow tie on. Yeah, I remember from here. I see my I see four Godzillas being ridden by four turtles. But oh. I'm looking for a picture to show you. It won't do no, good yeah, for anyone at home, but yeah, even just seeing the trailer and just seeing like like I love how like in Godzilla Strong Monsters, like everything is very practical. You have your King Ghidorah, practical, Mothra's practical, everything's practical. But you, then you when you see this? Sorry, you, the trailer you for this? these movies is kind of like Pokemon. <laughs> oh, I did. Oh, no, I didn't see that. Yeah, but that is pretty great. It's yeah. It's, so again, for the everyone at home, it's literally a man in a Godzilla costume, a rather rotund one. Yeah, Godzilla. and he just has an awkwardly placed bow tie. It's perfect. Godzilla, legendary or whatever we're gonna call him. Um, he's definitely the the tubbiest of the Godzillas. Yeah. But he's the most like a real lizard in that regard because lizards are kind of fat if you look at it. There's no like yeah. meat or like iguanas. He well, looks like an iguana. Well, that's the thing. Like, it's funny because the people that made Godzilla, you know, Toho, yeah. like, they embraced the more monster side with their recent Shin Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Like, he looks pretty scary. Like, he opens his mouth like Predator. Like, oh, interesting. He, like, he splits it yeah. open and stuff yeah. like that. What were you starting to say before when but, I cut you off? No, yeah, the but the picture. same way that, like, I feel like about watching Pokemon, like, oh my god, like, this is like. What I, what I expected to see like fully realized Pokemon yeah like I get that same like I got to hear like during like the traders for Godzilla when you see like Godzilla what's if I King Ghidorah or when Mothra comes out or you're just an emotional man is really the takeaway here I mean I am like there's like, nothing wrong with that at all like I don't know I I love that I can very easily just like get into like almost like anything I watch that's why like spoilers for the most part don't really like bother you bother me too much because I could still enjoy it just as much I mean, the only time a spoiler would ever, I guess, like, ruin an experience is, like, when the spoiler is part of the experience in a game. More like, like Ace Attorney. It's like, oh, what? Right. Yeah, the Where the whole this. game is literally the twist. Yeah, because then yeah. you could pretty much, like, reverse engineer yeah. and, like, figure yeah. out how to beat sense. it. But, yeah. So, there you go. Loved it. Can't wait to watch it. Pokemon was great. Um, they don't, um, the plot, yeah, it's. It's simplistic. It's your typical whatever. That's but everything. The way, just the way it's done. It's just fun. I mean, Mr. Basically, Man was fun. I wish I wish they had actually showed. Him you know what I mean fire. about how it got darker? I mean, I mean, I wish they actually showed the part where he was on fire. But yeah, I mean, yeah. It was still. Fun. I just love that they literally like threatened to kill him. I would say the <laughs> part of the best looking Pokemon I feel with like Magikarp as far as like looking yeah, real. Yeah, like it actually looked like. Although Jigglypuff actually in the in. First of all, did you notice Jigglypuff oh, doesn't, doesn't get angry in the movie, even though she gets angry in the trailer? Oh. She's never angry. But it, when they oh, showed yeah, her but... in the parade scene, she looked adorable. Oh, yeah. It's... I just thought to, like, hug her. A lot of good stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess, like, I guess fake trailers are, well, I guess it's not really fake trailers. That's probably, it wasn't it's fake. Like, they cut the scene like a second. Cut. No, yeah, yeah. Fake trailers are more Disney of anything. Marvel. Well, yeah, Disney Marvel. Yeah. 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 yeah mainly just the Hulk, but, yeah. 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 Well, anyway, I guess that actually brings us to the end of this episode. Um... But guess what? Guess what, folks? 
E3 season is coming. Next episode's the start of the frenzy. Uh, uh, we're gonna be recording straight after, uh, hopefully attending Nintendo's June 8th tournament here in LA with Smash, Platoon, the Mario Maker 2 Invitational. Um, that's assuming we get in, of course. If not, we'll watch it through some stream. But either way, we're gonna have fresh next day coverage right after that event. Plus, all our takes on whatever pre E3 news there is. Um, so make sure to tune in on June 9th for those. And then a little tease of the episode after that. Our next next episode, total E3 blowout. I'm going. Angel's now going. We're gonna cover wait, everything. What? Yeah, you know you're going. Don't act surprised. Um, wait, so, what is it? June 8th. No, June 9th is our next episode, and then we're going to E3 that week, and then our following episode, we're going to be covering E3. This is not news to you. It's news to the list, or it should be news to you, which we news to the listeners. But the reason I'm giving this whole little like roadmap here is, in, what I'm trying to say is, you should be following there and subscribing to us. to tune out, it would be nice. No, the opposite. You should be following and subscribing to us, because this is the time. This is the moment. So, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Google Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify, on Stitcher, on TuneIn. On literally anything that's podcast, we're on YouTube. Our channel is at, uh, is uh, Random Nintendo Com. We're also on Twitter at Random Nintendo. You can follow us individually if you want our hot takes on Call of Duty Modern Warfare being the name of the fourth Call of Duty, fourth Modern Warfare. Yeah, not to be confused with Modern Warfare. Nope. Modern Warfare or Modern Remastered. Warfare Remastered. So if you want those hot takes that we don't talk about on the show, I'm JSR7 on Twitter. He is Wero W E I R O underscore O on Twitter. And yeah, these next few weeks are going to be big. They're going to be fun. So, um, we'll see you on June 9th with our coverage of Nintendo's Invitationals and tournaments. And, uh, I have no reason to play this, no way to set this up. I'm just going to do it. We're ending with this. Oh, my phone, my computer's on, my, my computer's on mute. Wow. Wow. We're ending with silence, which is exactly what you're going to hear when this stops playing.